And we are live and we are back. Let's go. I'm Corey, your host. One half of the Court and Full Effect podcast. And I'm back like I never left with... What are these called? These are supposed to be called current events, but I think I'm going to name these uh, late night struggle streaming. All right. So let me go over to YouTube real quick. Double check to make sure that you guys can actually hear me. And twice. So I know the audio is working and I see I'm unmuted again. Not last episode. Shout out to Jordan dropping another episode. But the previous live stream, I know I was muted for like the first 26 minutes. Fortunately, the first 26 minutes were essentially the first Wealth Wednesday about the bu- budgeting in general. So you guys can check that out. Again, my apologies. So, you know, I need better lighting. No, I need to make sure I'm not muted when I'm live streaming. Um, but before I get started on the student loans, make sure I hit that like button for the YouTube algorithm. Make sure you share, subscribe with your comments as well if you want to. Shout out to my streaming skills, but you got y'all can join this stream if you have anything to discuss, anything financially related or obviously related to the student loans. For my information, I'm silent underscore Corey, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. My co-host Jordan is stop stalling J on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And then his business page is actually finally fit 06, not finally fit, finally fit 06 on Instagram and Facebook. Maybe just Instagram. But it's finally fit something. All this is in the description on YouTube. And then his website is finallyfit.live. Again, Jordan is still doing as far as finishing up a rebranding where he is going to start offering Tuesday and Thursday classes from an intermediate, excuse me, a beginner classes for people who want to start working out if they don't think that they can do the Monday and Wednesday more intermediate to advanced classes. Again, those classes are going to be on Tuesday and Thursday. So he'll be offering Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday classes. Monday and Wednesday start at 5.30, and then the Tuesday and Thursday, I believe he said they start at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and this will be online. But again, finallyfit.live to check out all of this information. Don't quote me too much. And before I get started, entertainment purposes only. Don't sue me. Sue your mama. Okay, this is for entertainment purposes only. You need to do your own financial research and any type of fitness stuff you see. You need to do your own fitness research as well and speak with a professional. Now. We have to talk about student loans. Let me see if I still have a banner up here about student loans. I'll just make a new one. The student loan situation, I was going to talk about it because I thought the forgiveness was right. We're going to happen towards the end of last year as far as 2023. But if not early 2020, excuse me, end of 2022, but early 2023. But obviously, it looks like it's got pushed back. And now it looks like the student loan situation is or isn't on hold. Who, who knows what's going on? So a quick recap of the student loan situation as far as the forgiveness. President Biden came out and said that 10K, and if you received a Pell Grant, you get up to 20K in forgiveness. And then obviously, if you're married, then your spouse, you know, get um, that amount as well. So you can get anywhere from $10,000 to $40,000 in total student loan forgiveness for your household. That was expected to occur again, like I said, in late December 2022 or early this year, 2023. However, after the applications went out, there were already some states that and some people who complained and said, hey, we don't really want this forgiveness to go through. Court cases have been occurring. And in short, I believe the last I saw was it looks like the student loan court case is going to be held in uh, February by the Supreme Court to see if this forgiveness can or cannot occur. I think they're trying to see if it's legal or illegal if President Biden actually had the power to do it. So right now it's on hold and they got they pushed back the forbearance or extended it all the way until 
uh, the end of June 2023. So you guys get another six months of no student loan payments, no interest. And that's going to total up. It started in March 2020. So that's going to be 39 months of no student loan payments, which is almost, which is almost 40 payments, which is almost a third. The public student loan forgiveness, everybody talks about the 120 payments last 10 years. If they, they gave you almost 40 of those and they're making it so that more of these um, more payments qualify for this 120 payment forgiveness count. And the word is, we'll see what, you know, how it all plays out, but all the payments that y'all haven't had to make, but y'all have had to make payments. They've just been $0 and zero cents worth of payments and no interest and no penalty for not making a payment, quote unquote, but y'all have had to make a $0 and zero cents payment and all 39, what will be in total as of now of those forbearance payments due to the pandemic, they're all going to count towards 120. So 120 essentially minus 40, at least 80. I mean, that's a third, giving y'all a third of the way. So we'll see how that all works out. But what I'm going to do tonight is discuss a little bit, as I talked about, as far as the federal situation. But regardless of the student loans do or don't happen, as far as the forgiveness, there's still going to be a situation where there's going to be people with student loan debt because all of the debt is not going to be forgiven as of what we're currently dealing with. It's going to get 10K or 20K. And for the majority of people complaining, even though they said, I think about half the people, 40 to 50 percent are going to get all of it forgiven with this 10 to 20K. There are going to be another 50 percent of people who are going to have some student loan debt still left over. So tonight, I mean, I'm going to I got so many tabs up here. It's too many for me to count. But I'm pretty much going to slow walk. I'm going to talk a little bit about this current student loan situation as far as the forgiveness and the forbearance and y'all, you know, getting that alert saying that it was approved. But then we're going to see really in short how we got to the student loan situation as far as the decision making behind student loans. Is college still affordable? Does it make sense to go to college? Who's impacted most by the student loan situation? How can it be rectified in the sense of going forward? What should you do when it comes to making your decision process when going to college? And I also want to get on wax. My, I told you so. Because when I started doing some of this research, I normally don't look at the articles before I do this. But when I started doing this research and seeing some of the data, I'm like, mm, it sounds like people sort of made this decision. And they're not really making the best decision because as I get into this numbers and we're going to see how much college truly costs, we're going to define that it's not as expensive as people, you know, seem to make it. And when you look at the average amount of student loan that people have, which is in like that 30K range, it sort of makes sense when we see how much college truly costs. So without further ado, you know, how, without further ado, you know, how I do. I got to share the screen and also think, too, about me not having um. What is it? Good lighting. It's like, first off, most people are listening to this either on the replay or on the podcast platform. So there's no need for a video. But also, too, I, I share my tabs most of the time. So, you know, it's, it's not that big of a deal. All right. Here we go. I had some water, y'all. Then I lost this. I had to get another water. But I really wish I knew where that other water was at because I'm trying to make sure, you know, New Year's resolution. I drink all the water bottles open up this year. All right. Here we go. I'm not zoomed in enough for y'all. That's good. Okay, so let's start off with this stuff people really care about. When, when is this damn student loan forgiveness happening? Nine million student loan borrowers got an email in November 
with the wrong subject line, informing them that their debt relief had been approved. Corrections are coming. And this is a little older one because, again, I thought I was going to be doing this like, quote unquote, live, but they kept, kept on messing around with the freaking student loan forgiveness. But here we go. Millions of student loan borrowers got an email last month saying the debt relief was approved. The subject line should have should have said the applications were received and but not approved. OK, so they said y'all had them approved, but it should just really have said that it was received. An educating department contractor plans to issue corrections to the subject line. Shout out to everybody who's a contractor for the federal government. Shout out to myself. Okay, millions of student loan borrowers are expected to soon receive an updated email on the status of their debt relief. You know what? I need to reach out to my clients. None of them let me know if they actually got this. I don't have any student loans, so I'm just getting all this information on what's actually truly going on via my clients who still have student loan debt. But none of them have told me that they got an updated email yet. I need to check in with them on that. On November 22nd, 23rd, approximately 9 million borrowers got an email from President Joe Biden's education department with the subject line, your student loan debt relief application has been approved. Now, what does approved mean? Does approved mean that saying, hey, once we can actually do the forgiveness, you will get it? Or does approved mean that it was forgiven? Shout out to Grandma Grimless. But that subject line was incorrect. It was supposed to inform borrowers only that their application had been received for the subject line update on student loan debt relief. There was made by Accenture Federal Services, a contractor of the department that sent the email communications while the content of the email itself was accurate and provided borrowers updated. Uh, Accenture on behalf of department plans. All right, so they're going to send out a new email saying it was wrong. If y'all haven't received this yet. Stacy Jones, the senior managing director and head of corporate communications for Accenture, told Insider, by the way, this article is on Business Insider, not on CNBC, but we're going to get into some CNBC articles. I think one or two. I see one on these tabs. But the statement, the company regrets the human error. Oh, no, the human error. They let an email being sent to a number of student loan debt relief applicants with an inaccurate subject line. So they said they're sorry. Yeah, email was sent to the Department of Education. Working closely with the Department Accenture, they're okay with quality control, measures support, accurate and timely communications. Okay. Let me say this. I I, I don't know why. I mean, I don't know why, but in the sense of like, this is something that someone in the Department of Education, not a contract, should be sending out. Any type of communication like that, I understand. I mean, not talk too much, but I understand the fact that obviously the contractors might do, a, you know, the software development, things like that. But as far as like direct communication with the customer, which would be in short, the people, you know, the student loan borrowers in this case, that should be someone who actually is employed. You know, federal government employee should be doing someone with a GS, you know, one, you know, after as far as their rank. But it's like, I don't know if you just letting contractors send us communication as the best, best thing to do. We're in close touch yet yeah, with them as they take corrective action, ensuring all borrowers affected. Right, I got the correct information. The department previously indicated that 26 million student loan borrowers have submitted applications for debt relief since October, though the option to submit an application has been closed because of two legal decisions that have been blocked, that have blocked the implementation of the relief. So you guys apparently still, you're unable, should I say, not still, but unable to apply for the forgiveness while these court cases are going on. The first ruling came from a Texas judge last month who said Biden's plan right to cancel debt was illegal. Shout out to the red states who are trying to make sure that this doesn't go through. The Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals decided the temporary pause it had placed on the relief in October would remain in place. 
Biden's Justice Department has asked the Supreme Court to intervene in both cases. The court hasn't indicated how it will approach the lawsuit the Texas judge ruled on, but on Thursday it agreed to hear arguments. Right, okay, again, in February, like I said, for the lawsuit brought to the Eighth Circuit. For those of you who don't know how um, it's broken down as far as the court, so we got the Supreme Court, which is in charge of, you know, they make a ruling, then all the states have to deal with it. Then right below the Supreme Court, there are maybe 10 circuit courts, 11, I can't remember the exact number, but there are a good amount of circuit courts that oversee a handful of states. And so this eighth circuit court is the court right below or right before, however you want to look at it, before the Supreme Court. So there's an issue in Texas at the state level and they can't figure it out. They'll kick it up. This is me not being a lawyer, but in short, they'll kick it up from the Texas state level to the next level, which is the district court. And then if the district court can't figure it out, then they'll kick it up above them, which would be the Supreme Court. But a, excuse me, not district court, a circuit court. But no, yeah, it's a district. I can't remember the words. But anyways, if there's a ruling um, in one of your districts. Let me see. The district courts. Or circuit courts. Yeah, there are 13 circuit courts. Okay, 14. Okay, district, then circuit. Okay, there we go. There's district, then circuit. So 13 circuit courts. And so once it goes to the circuit court, then after it goes above them, that's the next level above them is Supreme Court. But all that to say, if there's a, if there's a, if your circuit court region, like in Maryland, right, Maryland circuit court, I think it's four, but it encompasses Maryland, Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, I think South Carolina. So if something happens in the state of South Carolina and a decision ends up being uh, made by the circuit court that also oversees Maryland and it applies to all of those different states that that circuit court oversees. And so that's why at the federal level, since the Supreme Court oversees all the states, it works that way. Lawyers, please chime in. Let me know how wrong I was. Then lie of the lawsuits, Biden recently extended the pause right again to June 30th. So they'll be starting back up July 1st. And let's see when July 1st is right before Independence Day. July 1st is a Saturday. Goodness gracious. Okay. Or whenever the lawsuits are resolved. I did not know that. This is a big contingency right here. They're saying it recently extended the pause on student loan payments through June 30th or whenever the lawsuits are resolved, whichever comes first. See, resolved means that if the Supreme Court says the forgiveness can't happen, <laughs> the student loan payments can start back up, you know, as soon as February. You know, they might do March 1st just to make it simple. But I did not know there was that contingency on it. Oh, my goodness. The administration also continue, I let people know that it continues to express, although I doubt that'll likely happen, uh, express confidence that it will prevail in court and stands. Obviously, they think they're going to they're going to get the forgiveness. Um, our student loan debt relief program is necessary to help 40 million eligible Americans struggling under the burden of student loan debt recover from the pandemic. Again, I think it's 44, 45 million people with student loan debt and 40 million people are going to be impacted by this, even though it's only 10 to 20K, but hey, that's 40 million borrowers who chased the American dream through higher education. I look forward to the SCOTUS Supreme Court of the United States hearing our case. All right, boom. So that's it as far as a recap, as far as what's going on with the student loan forgiveness. 9 million of y'all out of the 26 million to apply for, so a little under half, really close to a third, a little under a third. If y'all were uh, improperly notified that your student loan forgiveness had been approved, it was really just that they had received your application. Now, let's get, if it wants to share this tab, 
come on load. Now we're going to get to, right, okay, well, why are people complaining about this? How do these court cases get started? Boom. Here's the next one. Shout out to all these ads, by the way. Student, student borrowers, dang, I can't even see it. Student borrowers in these 13 states may owe taxes on Biden's debt relief. Now, again, at the federal level, if this forgiveness does occur, there will not be any taxes on it. Usually you have a 1099C cancellation of debt. And if any debt is canceled slash forgiven, you have to pay taxes on it at a federal level. That's what that 1099C form is for. However, with the student loan forgiveness, if it does happen, you won't have to pay any taxes on your up to 10K or up to 20K if you got a Pell Grant for that forgiveness. But that doesn't mean that at the state level, the state level, you may not have to pay taxes. Goodness gracious, so many ads. The Biden administration were getting up to 20K, right? Burden off Americans. Let me see when this article was. Oh, and look, look at me being sloppy. I forgot. Shout out to whose name is this, y'all? Can y'all see that? Let me zoom in all the way so y'all can see how much. Let me say that name. A, a late Shafee? Sheffy? I mean, my goodness. But that's who did the Business Insider article about the 9 million people being contacted improperly. And then for the CNB, CBS News, this is done by Christopher J. Books, but Christopher is spelled with K-H-R-I-S. My goodness. All right. But now to get into this one again. Yeah. OK. Up to 20K for the forgiveness. Yet the plan could add tax bills as high as $1,100 for borrowers in some states, according to a recent tax foundation analysis. Now, is it worth these 13 states or these handful of people? Because it's not a whole bunch of people right there going to pay up to the. 1,100. But is it really worth it to make it so the whole country can't get it? Shout out to America. This is part of their uh, their ability to vote. They get the voice of their opinion and say, hey, we don't want to have to pay these taxes. My goodness. Yes. Get the student loan debt. All these ads. That may catch some borrowers by surprise, given that the Biden administration noted its loan forgiveness won't be considered federal taxable income under provision of the American Rescue Plan Act. Again, federal taxable income. But then there are state taxes. That law, however, doesn't exempt loan forgiveness at the state level, as I just mentioned. Although some states will likely follow the federal law in their treatment of the loan relief. This said 13 states. So again, 37. So well over half aren't going to um, have any taxes. But again, you know, the states can just say, hey, we're not going to tax it, but hey, they're, they're not doing that. I think Mohila, which is in Missouri, is one of the districts, as I was talking about, where it's like, um, excuse me, the circuit courts, where it's like, yeah, we, um, we're in Missouri and we need uh, this stuff to kind of, you know, get taxed. It's going to mess up our money. They're kind of complaining about that. And so Missouri and those other states in that district, if I pull it up real quick, can I pull it up? This is Wikipedia. Boom. Let me share the tab. This is what I was talking about, the district court. So this is important for you. If you don't know this, you need to know this because you need to figure out which um, district you're in. So you know which of the states, excuse me, which circuit you're in. So you know which circuit can have, you know, a ruling that can impact your life. As I was talking about right here in the fourth one, you guys can't see my curse. Oh, you can. The fourth one, right? But here, right here, district eight. Right. So Texas is in District 5, but we were talking about a District 8 issue on the no, that was District 8. Which one was it? Yeah, the 8th Circuit. I, I I don't know if they're interchanging these circuit and districts regardless, though. But you can see. So you want to see which one of these uh, district. Yeah, district courts. OK, courts of appeals. Oh, and United States. OK, that's what. OK, it's, you know, courts of appeals and United States district courts. All right, cool. So you need to figure out which one of these you're in. So that's going to impact you. So the eighth one I was talking about, which got a handful of states in here, but you see Missouri, right? I think it was Missouri, Arkansas, 
it was a lot of these states, somebody in the Dakotas as well complained about it. So if Mohila's in Missouri and then you also got somebody in North Dakota, you can see, hey, we're on the same team because the district court that represents us is the eighth one. So we can just agree to get a push up to here and then it kicks up from eight district court all the way up to the Supreme Court. So that's something that um, you guys want to know for any other general laws that you may see go go down because other states can't impact you. Um, okay, so again, again, 13 states um, may consider buying as loan forgiveness to be taxable income, socking borrowers who receive up to 10,000 in loan forgiveness with a tax bill between, it's, a, it's between 300 to $1,100. Now, remember, when it comes to the forgiveness, and then also, too, if this forgiveness would have occurred this year in 2023 and not in 2022, although they were saying they're going to try to have it done in 2022, if it would have occurred this year in 2023, you would not have to deal with these taxes until next year. You would have had, you know, 15 to 16 months, strike right, until April 15th, whatever the tax filing day is for 2024, until you had to pay those taxes. Obviously, if it would have happened in 2022, you've only had about three to four months to prepare for it. But again, when it says this tax bill, that all depends on whether or not you're going to oh, get a refund when you file your taxes. So let's just say you're going to get a refund of $1,000, but now you got a tax bill of 300 due to the forgiveness then your refund would only be $700. But I understand a lot of people, unfortunately, but they need, you know, they look for their refund check as essentially another source of income for that time period that they get it. And always remember, when you get a refund, that's a refund of your own money. That's you overpaying taxes. Few people are in a situation where they make use of credits and deductions to actually get a refund. Um, according to the right, tax foundation, that could change as some states may eventually write some federal government's decision to make the debt relief non-taxable, but borrowers may want to consult, right? Yeah, see, seek a tax professional about this. Um, you don't have to worry about it this year, though, because, uh, or should I say this year for as far as tax filing status, because it's still on hold. In the coming weeks, not they got numbers. See, I don't read these articles. Oh, I'm about to get into these numbers. Oh, my goodness. In the coming weeks and months, we would like to see states right, issue guidance on discharge student loan debt. All right, cool. Factor in 10K below is the maximum tax liabilities. This is the most people would have to... Um, have from a tax liability standpoint if the forgiveness had happened. Again, 13 states. And as you can see, almost all these states are what we would consider red states or conservative slash Republican states. You got Arkansas. Again, Arkansas is in the eighth district. Hawaii is not in the eighth district. Hawaii is in the, the ninth district, but you got Hawaii. You got Idaho. You have my bad. I'm clicking on the district one. You got Kentucky. Let me look at this. Yeah, Kentucky, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Mississippi, New York, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wisconsin. Okay, so only <laughs> Hawaii really doesn't count. You know, it's extremely expensive in Hawaii in the sense like, okay, they have the highest one. So only Hawaii is over a thousand. Next up would be Minnesota. Surprise, Massachusetts, right? Massachusetts is expensive. Shout out to Boston. I would say that the median, let me do a calculator real quick, but it looks like the median of this is going to be around $500. Should I say the average, not the median? The average of this is going to be $500 of what people are going to owe. Now that I'm looking into this more, because this is one of the articles I did not read beforehand, and I'm like, how much money is it really that people are complaining about on average that they could owe? So seventy six thirty two is the total. It was five hundred eighty seven dollars under six hundred dollars. <laughs> That's insane. Okay, people are tripping. I mean, it, they're well within their right. Again, as I said, you know, exercise your voting rights. But hey, man, these people don't want it done, so they speaking up for it. 
And again, most of these states are what you would consider red states. So no shocker there because, you know, Biden's on the blue team. These tax liabilities could double for borrowers who receive up to 20,000. Oh, goodness. That's sort of 10K. OK. You know, nah, you know what? If you if you get up to 20K, I could understand if you don't, because most people's tax returns, tax returns aren't in like the tens of thousands of dollars. I could understand if you upset if you get in the Pell Grant and you and you Hawaii and you're looking like twenty two hundred dollars, that that might not be the move for you. I could slightly understand that. Hawaii, Idaho, Kentucky, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia have already decided to exempt. Okay, so I saw Virginia wasn't on the list. Student loan forgiveness money from state taxes. So, okay, so this is what gets confused. And they're saying it can be up to eleven hundred, but then they just said the state that does eleven hundred which is Hawaii isn't going to, it has exempted the student loan forgiveness from state taxes. Okay. Arkansas, California, Massachusetts, South Carolina are still mulling over. Is California on this list? I don't see California on this list. Okay. Whatever. Um, California and taxes. I mean, whatever that they, one thing they're going to do is tax you. Um, so that takes out, I mean, a good many, one, two, three, four, five, six of the states. So, I see, see nothing wrong with that. Um, okay, and then let's see. Mississippi's Department of Revenue told Bloomberg that it will tax student loan forgiveness. <laughs> Thanks. Shout out to Mississippi. Um, President Biden last week announced his plan to forgive right up to 20K for the people who received the Pell Grant. Okay, I've already said this before. All right, this is all the things to be eligible. 125K single, then 250K married. Okay. Biden said roughly in 43 million will be benefit. Last article said 40 million. Student loan debt in the U.S., both public and private, has ballooned to $1.75 trillion. I think the only thing that outranks it is the mortgage debt. No surprise there. Okay, according to the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis data, Biden's plan will not forgive private. It won't forgive private. And they made some adjustments due to the legalities of it of who is actually going to get the forgiveness. But since, since they keep changing it, I haven't done any updates because they keep changing, so I got to wait till they actually say something to you know let you all know what they're going to do. Borrowers who face state taxes for loan relief will owe the levy for the tax year in which the loan is forgiven. The analyst noted, for instance, if the student loan relief is provided in 2022, those states will tax, state tax will be due by April 15, 2023. Okay, and I sort of mentioned. All right, so this is just letting you know that these states, excluding Hawaii, Idaho, Kentucky, New York, Pennsylvania, and Virginia, that these are the states that you will have to owe some type of taxes on. This is the amount. I can't get Wisconsin in there. Wisconsin's right here at $530. Okay, we got Arkansas at 550. Massachusetts, Minnesota. Is Massachusetts on this list? Whatever. These are the numbers, though. So mo most people aren't going to have to face, because most people aren't getting Pell Grant relief. And again, it's only it's up to 20K. So even if, say, you qualify for the Pell Grant of up to 20K, if you still only have $5,000 student loan debt, then you're only going to get the $5,000. Okay, that's something to remember. All right, but this is just a breakdown. Well, what is the current student loan situation looking like as far as we're dealing with this forgiveness? Again, the Supreme Court is planning on hearing these cases um, in February. And according to the article, and I know this one, I think the one before, is that once the student loan um, ruling is had by the Supreme Court, if it's resolved as the term that they use, either way, the student loan payments are supposed to start back up. So let me see that again. Let me share this tab. This is this is very key. I, I can't remember anybody saying this. This says that even though the student loans aren't scheduled to start back up until technically July 1st, right? If the resolution of the court 
uh, ruling by the Supreme Court happens before June 30th, then the student loans start back up. I Meaning if they say, hey, the student loan forgiveness can occur, then they're going to do the forgiveness. And obviously it makes sense that your loan is going to start back up. But it sounds like as well, if they just look at it the first day and say, hey, we're blocking this, you know, it's been resolved, but we're blocking it. It sounds like y'all student loans are going to start right back up whenever the lawsuits are resolved, whichever comes first. And that, that's pretty blatant. All right. So next up, we're actually now going to get into college in of itself. So we're going to talk about how much does college cost and who's impacted by all of this student loan debt. And I'm also working on drinking more water. So they say they don't have any pauses, but I'm thinking, when am I supposed to drink water? No one, no one has explained that to me. All right. Now we're going to do, can you see this? Let's see. Okay. I'm going to see it. Average college tuition. So now <laughs> Now we're going to get to the actual numbers. We know how much student loan debt people have, right? Let me pull that up. So we can see that real quick. See what the average student loan debt is. 2001, right, is $30,000. Okay, that's what we're looking at right here. 30K, roughly speaking, is the average student loan debt, which is not that much. That's less than you know, $10,000 a year. Right? If you go to four university, that would be 40K. So it's anywhere from you know, seven to $8,000 a year, which would be 3,500 to $4,000 a semester that people are kicking out on average based off of these numbers. Okay. But now see when it says 30 K, I think this includes, right. It says, see, this says what 2021 college graduates, what they borrow. So this is what people are graduating with. Now what it has ballooned to completely different issue. All right. Again, negative AM loans, Negative amortization, right? Say your interest is $100 and your minimum payment is $50. Interest always gets satisfied first. So when you make your $50 minimum payment, 50 of those dollars goes towards interest. And then you still have $50 in interest that has yet to be paid. However, since you made your minimum payment, you have no fees on that end. You get credit for making your minimum payment on time. However, that $50 still left in interest. Let's say you owe you know, $1,000. Now, instead of owing um a thousand dollars right at the start and you pay you know fifty dollars and let's say you uh it would be you know nine hundred and eighty dollars since you pay some money towards interest and some towards principal since you actually have still fifty dollars left over in interest your balance would be a thousand and fifty dollars then when the interest is charged again it's charged on the full balance of the loan so the thousand and fifty dollars now is getting charged interest versus the previous month where it's just a thousand dollars that you graduated with so that's how a lot of people will get caught up when you graduate and i mean Shout out to the fact you have a college degree, or at least you went to college. If you have student loan debt, I assume you took one college class. I hope you didn't take out all the student loan debt and then go to any of the classes. But it's like uh, you, you should be able to at least read and understand when you get this loan information sent to you six months after you graduate for those who graduate. But it's like, hey, it's not that much to understand that, you know, they show you the interest and you need to know the interest needs to be satisfied. First, you make your minimum payment and you'll be on all the social media and you will have all this access to information. But no one people keep saying that, you know, people don't understand, you know, the college graduates, these college. Let's talk about people who graduate college. How come people who get a college degree get a pass on not understanding the information they get? as far as the payment breakdown for their loan. Why, why do you get a pass on that? And what, what is it you, you did? You didn't major in what? Finances, business, economics. Like, my goodness. I know you can read. You graduated college. You something. Word of Kevin Hart. You some some type of wearing this nigga tie. You some type of smart. What a, you some type of college educated with a college degree. So that, that's the part where we got to start taking accountability. Yes, I understand the fact you have the debt in and of itself. All right, cool. Right. You gave that to a minor, right? Graduating high school, but you know how to read the loan breakdown information or no. And 
everybody complaining about student loan debt. I hope people kind of understand now. Anybody born after 2000, like you don't get a pass. So, but whatever, off that soapbox. Also, what I need to say as well is 2023 is the last year y'all need to take information from somebody off the internet if you can't easily and readily, uh, readily identify that they are uh, eating their own cooking. So they are practicing what they are preaching. If you got to, if you can't just, you know, they offer some course and you can't see on a timeline the results they got, you know, pre their course essentially, right? Because they made a course because of the results they got. If you can't see what they've done, why are you listening to them? So this is the last year. If you get scanned in 2023, I'll give you a pass. After 2023, a year from now, no pass, right? You can go and see I paid off all my debt. You can see I opened a Roth IRA max, all that type of stuff that I talk about on here. You can see I, I pretty much have already posted it. So uh, th I just want to say that because I'm going to say the beginning. But okay, cost of college tuition, right? Uh, the highest cost schools tend to be in the Northeast. Shout out to where I live. I live on the East Coast, but you know, Northeast, right? Shout out to Maryland. Lowest cost schools are mostly placed in the Plains and the South. Plains would be like Montana, stuff like that. The overall cost of tuition and required fees for 2019-2020 school year. And a lot of this stuff isn't going to be like 2022-2023 numbers, which is okay because from a student loan standpoint, we're talking about people who've already graduated four, five, six, seven years, even more than that. So it's okay if we don't have the most up-to-date numbers, right? We're just looking at you know the most recent data. And this is pre-pandemic numbers anyway, right? But tuition was $21,000 for a public four-year college for an in-state. The average cost of tuition was $21,000, okay? For the 2019 nationwide average would have been $32,000 for private. And then 2020-2021 school year, the average tuition and required fees for a public college in the state, again, 10000 to twenty two. Wait, what? Well, it was less. It was less. Okay. That makes sense. The average cost of a year private, again, for 2020 to 2021 was $38,000. So I, if you don't know, college continues to go up and it out, it's, um, it's outpacing inflation. All right. An average private college tuition, average again nationwide, is going to be for 2019 to 2020, $32,769. Again, this is a little under 900 more than the average private four year from the previous year, adding in room, $7,400 and board, a little under $6,000, so over $13,000. The total cost for private would have been forty five, just under $46,000 per year. I was going to say this earlier, but I'm going to say it now. Um, don't go to a private university for a four year. You should only be going to a private university if you're getting a full ride. It makes no sense at all. There is no data, nothing to back up that going to a private university from a straight up dollar amount cost is worth it if you have to take out debt. And the exact same thing when it comes to out-of-state. Now, out-of-state tuition is literally just because you have no discipline. Out-of-state tuition, you just get charged more because for public schools, they get paid essentially with you know the state tax dollars. And since you don't pay those state tax dollars, you have to pay more money. You, it, there's no other reason. It's not like you get extra benefits or anything like that. No, it's just straight cons. The fact that you're going across state lines means you have to pay more money. You get no other benefits. At least the general concept from a private school standpoint is that the education is better, right? Private school, quote unquote, education is better. For out of state tuition, it's not, it doesn't, it's the same thing. This is the fact that you live in a different state, you got to pay more money. So if you're taking out debt, 
do not go to a pro don't take out debt right i don't recommend you take out debt debt for uh for anything outside of mortgage but especially for school but if you are going to go to school and it's going to be private or out of state do not take out student loan debt only go if you're getting a full ride slash or if somebody's paying for it but do not take out debt for it my goodness it's so stupid oh my goodness oh my goodness all right increase a little over twelve hundred dollars from the previous year now we're getting to average public college tuition Again, it was 93, a little over $9,300 for four year in 2019 to 2020. The same year average out was again, the average, okay, out of state. So out of state is about double. Oh, excuse me, 17,000 more. Oh, excuse me. Okay, I read that wrong. The average out of state was 27. It's about three. I don't know. Do y'all know that nine times three is 27? So you pay roughly, this is saying you're paying about three times more to go out of state. My goodness. And by the way, and we'll, we'll talk about this. This is just tuition. This is why college costs a lot. And I'll get into this in some other tabs. But one of the reasons college, quote unquote, costs so much, people have so much student loan debt, is because y'all taking out debt for things that aren't tuition. Tuition is not that much. As you can less than $10,000 a semester, so 40K for a four-year degree. That's relatively reasonable when you look at how much, if you get the right degree, these STEM fields, STEM field, you're going to, you're in a STEM field with a bachelor's degree, for the bachelor's degrees where you can get a job, you know, computer science, things like that, engineering with the bachelor's degree, you're going to make a minimum of 40 K. And I'm talking about on the low, low, and I'm talking about 40 K. If you graduate when I did, you're going to make 40 K and you're going to get that money back. Quote unquote, as far as right in the first year, as far as how much your student loan debt was to what your first um, year salary is going to be. If you go choose to go out of state, just for the tuition, you have to pay three times. And then when we look at some of these numbers for room and board, y'all really going to see how much it costs. And I think I had it. Was it up here? Yeah, boom. Right here. See, when you add in the room and board, this is for private school, though, is $45,000. So the tuition goes from $31,000 to $45,000. That's insane. If the in-state student also needed to pay for a room and board, $6,600 on average, excuse me, room is 6,600 and then board is uh, 5,000. Then their total for the 19 to 20 school year would have been $21,000. And that's what they're getting. So this is where things get, get misinterpreted. And this is why I love sharing the screen and doing stuff. See, this says the cost of tuition and required fees. What the hell is required fees? Required means you have to pay it, right? It's saying that it's $21,000. But no, no, what, you're not required to have room and board. You, you, you can just go to the school and just pay it for tuition. And if you just pay the tuition, it's letting you know that the cost of college is a little over $9,000. But they're saying, well, I mean, you know, if you pay for tuition and require fees, it's the 21K. And that's the issue right there. So now you do 21000 for a year times four, right? 20 times four is $80,000. And that's how you get a whole bunch of student loan debt because y'all choose to either stay on campus when you don't have to. You can stay home, right? But you want to party. Or you choose to stay off campus. Or you take advantage of the fact that when it comes to taking out student loan debt, in short, you can use the student loan debt for anything related to college, you know, some type of college expense. It's sort of like with the tax code. It is Can this be used for your business? If so, in short, you can write it off. So there are some people who take out student loan debt. And since they drive or commute to school, they go and buy a car with their student loans because you, you can do that. You're allowed to do it. And it's like, wait. If you if you use your student loan debt for a car, that cannot be part of the forgiveness. That you don't need. Never mind. All right. The tuition. I guess this is, this is an episode where I cut off about the student loan stuff, right? I should actually 
say my full thoughts, but that doesn't make any sense. Like at some point in time, and we're going to get to this as I get through the rest of these tabs, this is going to be a long live stream, but it's like, we have to start actually look, looking at what people did with this money. It's saying that the tuition is a little over $9,000, but then y'all want to stay for room and board. You don't have to stay on campus. Mo most people, there is a four-year public university less than an hour away. Obviously, the, the rural states, but, you know, if you if you live in Maryland, there are multiple schools within 30 minutes of you because of how Maryland is, is shaped. Unless you live in Western Maryland or stream, you know, Southern Maryland or really, I mean, across the Bay Bridge, but across the Bay Bridge, you got UMES, you got Salisbury, probably two biggest schools over there. But it's like you have access to a four-year university, especially now with online classes, but y'all just want to, you know, get everything so fast and in short, get everything fast, it's the right debt and the right money is the money is speed. So the more money you have, the faster you can move in short. That's why people take out debt. But it's like, my goodness, this is insane. Because what if we just said only your tuition gets because we can look and see how much your tuition was. What if we said only tuition gets um, forgiven? Why does room and board get to get forgiven? What if we said only tuition gets forgiven for people who did in-state? Because already, they already said private people not getting, they already said private people not getting any forgiveness. So what if we just said the actual cost to get your degree, the tuition is all that gets forgiven for public. You didn't have to go out of state. And by the way, going out of state, you get no benefit. They, I mean, you get no benefit. It's not like it says you was out of state on your degree. But this is stuff that people don't want to talk about when it's like, yeah, I know we got the student loan debt, but how much of it was due to straight up tuition to actually get the degree in and of itself? That's not even getting into what degree did you get as far as you know how much income can you generate with that degree? Because all degrees aren't equal, but they all cost the same. When you go to one school, they all cost the same amount. All right. And then I six is adding room and board, right? Okay, saying that again, public two-year colleges. Required fees, right? Much I think public two-year college is essentially saying community college. Again, look at what community college, less than four thousand dollars, man. And most people know who have a college degree. By the way, if I didn't say this, which I didn't, I have a college degree. Shout out to Bowie State Bulldog Nation. I have a degree in computer science, but it's like, yo, for gen eds, that's just a waste of money if you go to a two-year. Now, again, like I said, if somebody's paying for it or you're getting a full ride, then go get it in a four-year. But if you have to pay for college, pay for college out of pocket. Don't go to a four year for your gen eds. Go to a two year community college, make sure it transfers and then boom, you're good to go. And most of the state schools are going to accept the community college credits, not all of them. And they won't accept all the credits, but most of the time they're going to accept, you know, all your credits will transfer from a community college. And so in short, when it's saying, you know, this 20,000 or this 9,000 for a semester, instead of it being times four, it's times two, right? So essentially you kick out, you know, let's just say this is $8,000, you got to kick out another $20,000, right? So that's $30,000 right there, but you pay for that cash. All right. You don't have to, you don't have to graduate in four years. And this is assuming you're going to get a degree that it makes sense to go to college for, which would be STEM, doctor, lawyer, anything on the financial side. Cause like, if you want to be a CPA or, you know, CFP, you usually have to have a degree and you know, work for a firm and things like that. So but other than that, most of these degrees, you know, really don't make that much sense. Even from a, even from an education standpoint, like, do you really need to go to college to become a teacher? Because, I mean, let's let's say you do need to go to college if you want to teach something like high school, right? If you want to teach high school calc, you might need to get right a math degree to be able to teach calculus, right? But if you're going to be an elementary school teacher, and we're going to get into the statistics way later on as far as you know, how much you know these people get paid. But as an elementary school teacher, how much college schooling do you truly need? Like what college education are you from at a college standpoint? And this is me being ignorant as far as what they you know go through. 
But I understand you already need to learn how to work with children, things like that. But hell, let's be very clear. When I was in elementary school, a high schooler watched me at after school daycare. People don't want to talk about that, but it's like, my goodness, a high schooler helped me with my math homework when I was in elementary school. I, that the, that the, the college educated teacher gave me. A high schooler told me, I think her name was Megan. Shout out to Megan. But it's like, let's be clear. I mean, yes, you need to learn how to work with children, but when we factor in the cost and how long you go and taking on these other classes, it's like, I mean, do you really need the four year? And do you need to really go get your master's on top of that? It's like, you know, what are we talking about? Now, obviously, higher education, if you want to be you know, teach at college level, obviously you need to have, you know, you know more education for what you're going to teach. But, you know, when we start looking at early education, which is how like it breaks down the pay scales, it's like, y'all check out how much debt to get paid this much? And like, was it really worth it? Because that's the part of the issue is it's not that you need to devalue your degree, but you need to say, hey, what I went to school for, it wasn't worth it. And so this is what, you know, if we're going to have, you know, a college degree, why don't we have a one year college degree where you go and you get, you know, take these classes slash get these certs and it qualifies you to go in the field versus you got to go these four years, take the 120 credits. Six of them are gen ed. So half of the time you spend there truly has nothing to do with your degree field. It makes you, quote unquote, more well-rounded. But it's like, yo, you don't really need to take these classes. Like, I'm, I mean, I took what did I take? I mean, if I could have taken. 60 more credits of software development classes, software engineering classes, that would have put me in a better position right now. But to get to my degree, I had to take, you know, I had to take English 101, English 102, so freshman English one and two, and then technical writing. But I took the technical writing like for a computer science degree. I don't use any of that stuff. We use Slack now for communication. Yeah, emails are what they are, but that's what you have project managers for, business analysts. Like I, none of that stuff like truly helps me. And if you're a software developer, you don't type that much in straight up, quote unquote, grammatical English anyway. You code. So it's one of these things like those three classes that I took, if I could have took some more sophomore development classes, that would have actually truly benefited me. Even if I had to take 120 credits, you know, when I go and get my degree, it should be stuff that's going to truly help me in my degree field. And if y'all want to know, you know, why you can get a master's in two years is because one, you take less credits slash less classes, but it's because you don't have to do the gen eds. Two two years of going to college is for general education, which one can say doesn't make anybody more well-rounded. You should be able to just go and get your degree. It takes two, it takes two years to get a college degree. That's how long it actually takes to get a degree for the degree field. It's 60 credits for the particular degree and then 60 genetic credits. And you might have some stuff that blends over, like, like I said, some math, some English, things like that. But, you know, like, yeah, I had to take, you know, different math classes for my degree field. But, okay, I need math in short for a computer science standpoint. What do I need English for? I should just I should just be able to take a literacy test. Can I read and write on a, you know, a 12th grade level in short? And I should be good to go. And then also, I mean, I had to take another test, you know, to prove that the classes, my English classes actually, you know, took. And once I passed, but I should just be able to take that off jump. Like, I mean, I'm for my for my entry exam at Bowie to speak about myself. I tested into calculus, which makes sense. I took calculus in high school, which makes sense as a computer science major. Like, oh, what are the chances I'm good at math? Then when I took the English one. You didn't test into something. You just had to see if you're going to test out, you know, English 99 or math 99. If you fail out the entrance exam for math, I had to test out of English 99. But when I took English 101, and English 102, those things don't benefit me at all. I had great teachers. Shout out to my, you know, my professors. But like, I don't use any of that stuff at all. None of the books I read, anything. I didn't read any books coming into high school. I read one book in high school. That was because it was my senior paper, and I was the only person who read the book. So I had to read the book. It's no spark notes, things like that, where I'm in class and information. But I didn't read a single book. We had to read, I think, Macbeth, my senior year in high school. I didn't read it for what? I don't. Why would I use Macbeth? 
I wish I would bring up Macbeth in that mind. And any of the development that I do, it's like you, at some point in time, we have to look and see. And that's why I like the book, like The Giver. You know, there's some bad stuff in The Giver, but where you say, hey, what do I want to do? And I knew I was going to go to school for computer science, like for a fact, since the eighth grade. And like, you know, you know, shout out to my English class. But it's like this is, you know, I excel at math, you know, for a reason, because like I knew what I was going to do. And instead of putting our entire country in a situation where once people kind of figure out what they want to do or if they, you know, test well in something, gearing them towards that. We make them spend all this time doing things that they don't want to do. That's why you see a lot of these larger companies, the Googles and Microsoft, Amazons, they, ask their, they offer certs now where they just want to see if you can do what they want you to do anyways. Right? Who, who cares if you know how to do all this other crap? You think my job cares that I took sex ed in college? In college? Come on, y'all. But they do care in the sense that you know, I had a degree in my first job. But anyways, though, off my soapbox, average out-of-state debt right for... A two-year, however, would pay 86 for a two-year public school. Okay. Average college tuition in state versus out-of-state. Okay, so now, now we're doing the out-of-state versus in-state comparison. 27,000 versus 9,000. Okay, again, three times if you go out-of-state, it's the same for the 2019-2020 year. $17,000 difference. We're closer to, you know, 17,500, More than, more that. Out-of-state would pay compared to an in-state, right? Again, then 2019, 2020 year, out-of-state tuition. All right, saying for two years, two years was 8,000 compared. Two years over 4,000 is saying. It's 8,000 out-of-state versus 3,000 in-state for a two-year. My goodness. The difference between the nationwide average for in-state and out-of-state tuition for out-of-public, right? Okay, that's it. I don't know why. They, this is redundant stuff. Like, okay. There was no noted difference between the average in-state versus out-of-state costs for private. Yes, because private, I can't say all, but private schools don't have an inner out-of-state tuition. They just have a, a flat-out tuition. So, okay. And then let me see how much more we got in this article. Oh, wow. It's going to break some things down. Okay, cool. So now we got more average tuition numbers. Right. Okay, cool. I think I can use this to these other ones. All right. So again, following statistics. Wait, am I at the right place? All right, cool. The following statistics take into account information for full-time and full-time equivalent students for the entire academic year. The data was compiled from the 2019 to 2020 school year before the panorama, and so does not include any changes that may have been made as a result of any refunds or other adjustments that may or may not have been instituted. That's a good disclaimer. The least expensive two-year colleges on average are in California. What are the chances in New Mexico? In California, you can go to two-year college for less than $1,300 a year. My goodness. New Mexico, $1,700. The most expensive two-year college tuition fees are in Tennessee at $16,900, almost $17,000 in New Hampshire at $15,000. My goodness. On average, the least expensive four-year college tuition fees are for public and in-state. So in-state would be Florida at $4,400. And then a close second is Wyoming at $47,000. So that's the cheapest or the least expensive and the most expensive would be Vermont for in-state four-year at 17, and the New Hampshire at 16.6. Least expensive public four-year colleges for out-of-state were in the District of Columbia at seven at 1,200, a little under 13. Excuse me, 12,000. And then North Dakota followed by a little under 14,000. Other hand, most expensive college, right? Out-of-state for goodness gracious. Most expensive four-year public degree for out-of-state. Was Vermont at 41,000 and Michigan at 36, a little under 37,000. Oh my goodness. 
over 160k and that and that's where it gets like full-blown stupid if you're going to choose to pay and we're going to get into some of these numbers but some of this stuff is you know 30 40 50 thousand dollars for an out-of-state degree for one year and it's like i bet you do have two hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt and it's like where were the adults you had to have some adults because you had to live with somebody you weren't emancipated at the age of 14 it's like, where were the adults in your life? Shout out to your, you know, your high school advisors who don't advise you around this stuff. But it's like, y'all, my goodness, my goodness. So the least expensive private year was in Idaho at sixty four hundred, and then Utah at seventy six hundred. Who's going to Utah? Ain't no black people going there. The most expensive. I'm getting to the world population numbers too, as far as where people are at. The most expensive average college tuition fees, right? Private school is forty seven, almost forty eight thousand. And then Vermont at 46,000. So this does hold true as far as saying, you know, the most expensive places for college in the Northeast, Massachusetts, Vermont, like Northeast, Northeast. $50,000 for a four-year degree for one year. So $200,000, y'all. Mm. Okay, now we're looking at 2019 urban table for tuition. All right, so we got Alabama. So again, and again, this is going to be tuition. And I think I don't, I don't think I'm going to need these uh, this other tab. I'm going to show this other tab because it has it as far as um, it's filtered, it's sorted. I'm going to show another website after this. But when you're seeing, y'all, this is just tuition, as I was uh, teasing earlier. Tuition from a college standpoint, you know, whether or not, let's not talk about a degree, but the tuition for a four-year public school in-state does not cost that much money. Look at these numbers, 10,000, 8, 11, 8, 8, 9. Got Connecticut, which makes sense to get Northeast. But again, also too, right, Northeast higher incomes here. So you, you have to take that into account. But right, a little under 14, 11, 6, 4. I mean, look at these numbers. A little under 15, shout out to Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> right, I mean, look at, look at these numbers. New Hampshire, right under 17. Okay, Vermont, right above 17. Okay, so 17 times four, right? That's going to be 68. So the the that, that's if you're living in Vermont. Okay, that's it. That's if you're in Vermont. Most of these other states, we're going to say the average is 9349. You're going to pay under or slash around $10,000 a year, which is going to be $5,000 a semester. Okay, that's that's a little under uh, $2,000 when I'm closer to. 17 closer to $1,700 a month because it's college semester is, you know, roughly speaking three months. And so if you are do set up where you make your payments, you know, like that, you know, per semester or if you can work it to, you know, you pay them every month for your classes, that's $1,700 roughly speaking on average per month that you have to pay for college. And you break that down even small, that's $400 a week, four times four is 1600. Now you're telling me y'all can't find a way to make $400 a week. To pay for college cash, just your tuition, which is the bare minimum, the required fee to get your degree. You don't have to do room and board. Come on, y'all. But then when we go to out of state, right, I think probably everything here is going to be double, right? 2.6 for Alaska. I mean, Alabama. Four times for Alaska. 2.7 times for Arizona. I mean, everything is going to be double. Some of this stuff is damn near four freaking times. This is insane. See, look, look how much the second column is here, right? Where I'm highlighting right now. Shout out to DC only being a little over two times. But look at this. Although I think well, I can't speak for all, but you know, a lot of the DC schools, Georgetown, Howard, they're not they're not charging you, they're not charging you thirteen thousand dollars or six thousand. 
look at Florida. I mean, everything here, you're going to pay essentially over double. And the average, I think, was three times right when I scroll down here. So South of South Dakota, not that much. But who's going to school in South Dakota, right? Where's North Dakota at? All right, a lot of people, you're probably not going to school in North or South Dakota unless you're playing sports or you live there. But for out of state, it's going to be just if you're playing sports, unless you have some crazy family that lives there. But it's going to be a little around three times you're paying to go out of state. And again, there's no difference between in-state and out-of-state from a, any any benefit standpoint. The main difference and the only difference from in-state, out-of-state is that you pay more money. Okay, You don't have the you know quote-unquote benefit of a private school where the education is better. And the private school where, you know, the degree, right? If you go Ivy League, right? The degree, quote unquote, looks better. It's like, it's the same degree. We got the same degree. You just came from a different state. All right, we already went over. It's going to get all the same numbers again. You see the private four-year, public two-year. Well, this is showing you that one tuition is not that high. It's still not that high. It's 2019, 2020, right? And then obviously it was lower, lower than that for, you know, people in there, for the millennials, right? This is Gen Z who was paying these prices. Millennials play, paid less than this. But a lot of you, if you actually were to go back and look at how much your tuition was for your college the year you graduated, you know, high school for that first year, first semester of college, it was probably for a semester. It was probably in the four to five thousand dollar range. In state. So at some point in time, we have to say, well, why are people deciding to go out of state? Well, you can have a, a fight for private. You, you know, it's not a good fight, but at least you have a fight for private school. Why you would choose private? Someone has to explain to me why you would pay out-of-state tuition. Then you also have to explain why you should get forgiveness for out-of-state tuition when there's no true benefit. And even if you said there was a benefit for private, they're not giving you the forgiveness for the private. So you paid more money for school. What if I just said you get forgiveness, but you only get the in-state tuition forgiveness? You don't get the fact. So if you went to, you know, University of Alabama and it's $10,000, I'm just using this for a sake of an example, Right. But since you went out of state, you came from, let's say, Georgia, right? You chose to go to uh, Alabama instead of uh, Georgia. You had to pay twenty six thousand. But I'm only going to forgive you the ten thousand. The state school. I'm not. You had to just pay extra because you didn't live here. I'm not giving you the extra sixteen k Delta if we were to forgive all the student loan debt, which some people complain about. It's like why? Why do you get even more student loan debt forgiveness because you chose to go to another state? And now, and now, now you're going to tell me that as a high schooler. Now this is a high schooler who's going to college. This person's not stupid. Now we're saying college students are stupid, shout out to America. But it's like, you're telling me at 16, 17, you didn't know that 26,000 is more than 10,000? I would say that's cause for concern, and maybe you should not be going to college. So now we're going to say that high school students, right? I'm saying high school students now coming at the minors, they, they didn't know that they were paying more money? They didn't know that more money, like, you know, 26 is more than 10? All right, we got to start holding people accountable. I'm just saying, it's, uh, we talk about the pushback, and now these are, you know, now we get into the generation I call it the iPad generation, but it's like we get into the generation. All they had was the Internet. Well, the they don't know uh, something before an iPhone. I call them iPad generation because they have tablets, you know, at one, two, three years old. Like th this student loan conversation is pretty much over. It's just a millennial conversation. Zennials don't shouldn't get any student loan debt for what you had access to all the information. You, your ass should have went to YouTube University. Shout out to your parents. Okay, they, your parents had you on YouTube entertaining you with YouTube shows, but they should have gave you some actually education on YouTube. Okay, average cost tuition over time. Here we go, 1963, the total cost of a four-year college education for the, look in parentheses, for the total of all four years, including room and board plus tuition and required fees, $5,100. <laughs> so they're saying, obviously, in over 60 years, what it was, essentially get your whole degree, that's how much tuition, you know, roughly is the same for one semester. Oh, my goodness. Accounting for inflation, this will be equivalent to 42000 <laughs> Oh, my goodness.
That's insane. Okay, tuition and required fees, right? Okay, this is giving you a breakdown of how much it used to cost. Yes, college is extremely inflation is y'all. We wish it went up at the rate of inflation. It's gone up more than that. Look at all these numbers. It's saying five hundred eight dollars. It was in nineteen sixty three, and today's numbers that's forty two hundred. Just look at all of this. The cost of a hundred thousand uh, dollar total for all four years, right? College getting to twenty thousand dollars, and probably multiplying that out some. And the ten years between two thousand and the ten years between the two thousand eight two thousand nine school year and the 2018-2019 school year, the cost of undergraduate education per year increased by twenty eight percent at public colleges and by twenty nine percent at private nonprofit colleges. Man, if you could invest in a college, if I could get twenty eight percent return on my money, shout out to government subsidies. On the other hand, during this same time period, the cost of private for profit colleges actually decreased. The private for-profit went down. Okay, now it's letting you know what it was in 1985. Excuse adjusting for different years. 1985 again. Okay, I'm skim fast with this. Never any graduate professional degrees, but okay, this is just telling you more how much more it costs like over the years. More money, more money. Let's see the next thing. References. Okay, boom. <laughs> So I'm going to switch to the other tab so we can look at it from a state-by-state state standpoint. And again, Northeast, right? Most college, right? As far as highest, right? Boom. Rhode Island. Shout out to Northeast. Right? Boom. A little under 35000 Then we got D.C. Then we're going to average tuition. Remember, average, you add up the cost. You add up everything and divide how many things, you know, what the count was. So if you have 10 numbers, right, 10 values, and then you add them all up and then you divide by 10, that's the average. Okay? So average is anywhere from... Wyoming at a little under fifty one hundred dollars to thirty a little under thirty five thousand dollars. Okay, it's a thirty thousand dollar delta. But a lot of these, and when we look at these state schools, different. But you see, right, the thirty k's, the twenty k's, right, eighteen. You see how much, right, the averages for a lot of these schools, and you're looking at them as far as the states. Fourteen. Are right, you seeing these numbers? I'm going through one by one. Right, thirteen, thirteen, twelve. Okay, so m most most colleges are going to run you unless you live in, right, the, the poorer states. But Alabama, Arizona, Alaska, Hawaii, Nevada, Arkansas, Mississippi, Montana, North Dakota, New Mexico, and Wyoming. Those are the only states where the average tuition is less than $10,000. So you can be expecting to drop about forty k. And like I said, that's 5000 a semester in most cases. All right. But now it's time to say, well, how much does the tuition actually cost? We got these, you know, these averages, right? But then you don't want to go to every school. So we're going to look at, you know, how much college tuition is for some of these, like the actual school, not the averages, right? Because this is all these different schools taken into account. Let's look at straight up University of Maryland. How how much does it cost to go to the University of Maryland? Which University of Maryland is a, is a great school. And if you live in Maryland, UMD was pretty accessible to you. And if it wasn't accessible to you, you could have went to Towson. Right. For those of you who live above Baltimore. Right. But you could have went to Towson or you could have went to UMBC or you can went to Salisbury. But for the most part, those are probably the four biggest schools or notorious ones. You had a, a school that was less than an hour away from you in the state of Maryland. That was pretty good. UMD, Towson and UMBC are extremely good schools, especially UMD. But look at this, y'all. And this is when I look at this crap. I'm like, why do you got so much debt? And I thought growing up like it was a lot to go to Maryland. Maryland is only $5,600 a semester. That's less than $12,000 a year. UMD. I mean, I mean, uh, can y'all can see that? Y'all can't see that. You can see it right here, though. University of Maryland. Hey, what's on me? Highlight it. 
there we go. University of Maryland is saying you just got to give us less than $6,000 per semester to come here. Now, again, if you're out of state, look, it's almost four times. It's almost $20,000 for non-resident full-time undergraduates. Mandatory fees are a flat rate of 352, right? Uh, one eight credit hours, and they said for nine, and they add an additional differential tuition per semester for full time juniors and seniors majoring in business, engineering, computer science, right? Because sometimes you know you might have to pay an extra fee, like to actually use the to use the technology there. But it's saying, you know, even if you add this, right, it's fifteen, right? It's going to put you at seven, and then credit hours is going to be um nine plus credit hours if you're full time. So let's just put that at a thousand plus this fifteen, so twenty five hundred, and still it's still eight thousand dollars. Fifty five plus twenty five is eight. Eighty, but I'm saying it's eight thousand dollars, sixteen thousand dollars to go to Maryland. So that's sixteen thirty two, right? Forty eight sixty four. But that that's a you know that, that's overshooting it. But like that's that's not that much money. And again, you can you know you can slow ball it, right? And if you come here and you take the, the real route, you go to community college, you can go to it, right? Shout out to any asshole can come. Anne Arundel Community College, one of the Anne Arundel Community Colleges is better than some colleges, right? But this is still less than 30000 Again, you should do your two-year, unless you're getting a full ride or somebody's paying for it, do your two-year community college, and then transfer over to a major four-year. Your degree's still going to say that you got it from the four-year. And it's on it's on you if you if you put your, your associate's degree on there. Nobody care about your associate's if you got a bachelor's. Okay, so that's how much Maryland costs, right? So then it's like, well, let's look at you're in a situation where you might consider going to an out-of-state school. So if you live in Maryland, you might consider going to Virginia. Virginia, UVA, is $53,000 for out-of-state. I know some people that went to UVA and that lived in Maryland. You cannot tell me that it's $53,000 to go out-of-state for Virginia. And if it's in-state and you live in Maryland, it's a little under 12000 you cannot tell me that University of Virginia is four times better than the University of Maryland. You can't say that's what this cost is, right? And that's like, okay, you know, it's, it's 19000 versus, you know, 12000 Okay, but $53,000 for out-of-state is insane. If you go to UVA and you take out debt and you're out-of-state, why should you get this 53000 forgiven? A year. I hope this is a year. It's got to be a year. Let me look. This got to be a year. I hope. I hope. I hope. I'm not getting any hits for out of state. I hope it's a year. Why? Yeah, show me what it is. What the hell? Why is it so hard to find tuition and fees? Shout out to UVA on your website. I'll let me know what it is. I guess that's that's a year, though. I hope that is not per semester. But it doesn't cost that much, right, as far as going to a big state school, right, if you want to go to UMD. And then if we want to look at and we want to talk about, oh, let's talk about, you know, one of the higher costs of living in other states, right, California. And this is where I, I started doing more research. I'm like, now people are just making up stuff. Now, I understand that the University of Cal Berkeley does have a 14% acceptance rate. However, shout out to the 92% graduation rate. However, to go to UC Berkeley in state is still only $14,000. If the University of California Berkeley is telling you its in-state tuition is $14,000 a year, by the way, this is, these are a year numbers. Yeah, they are. So that means UVA is charging you over 25 for that. 
Right, saying telling the fees right there. This is for your four year degree, right? Forty one thousand dollars. See, this is living on campus, man. This is everything. See, I have so many tabs and stuff open. It's like my goodness. It's still the thirteen tuition and financial aid. Where is that? Where is that? Residency. My goodness, look, look at me now. If you're like non-resident, look how much you got paid for non-resident. It's still the same, right? Live living off campus or on campus. Why would you go out of state and live off campus? Insane. Still the same, right? A little bit more you're gonna pay is in housing and meals. It costs more to house you, I guess, because you live out of state. Look, it's telling you tuition right for a year. It's thirteen. Look, a little under fourteen thousand dollars. That's less than seven thousand dollars a semester to go to UC Berkeley. Again, this is this is UC Berkeley, y'all. Now, how good of a school is UC Berkeley, right? Like, is UC Berkeley actually a good school? I don't, I don't know if it's a good school or not. Let, let's see how good of a school it is. Oh, it's just ranked 20 out of 443 national universities. And this is where things are going to start getting confusing. If the University of Cal Berkeley is saying we're the 20th best school and we're going to charge 14K for an in-state degree, y'all got to explain to me why you would pay more money than that. There's only 19 schools, you know, according to U.S. News or whatever the hell that article was, that are saying that they're that are better than UC Berkeley. And mo most schools, in quote, aren't better than UC Berkeley. This is one of the best universities in the entire world. And I think if you look at this, one of these articles, all right, if you look at the one of the Google drop downs, is Cal Berkeley a prestigious school? For the ninth straight year, UC Berkeley tops the list of the world's, the world's, shout out to Earth, best public university. And remain, universities and remains the fourth best university overall in the U.S. News and World Report's 2023 global university rankings. Then this is saying USC Berkeley remains the number one public university in the world. If this, look, hold on. So if if the number one university and public university in the world only charges fourteen thousand a year for in state, how can you justify paying more at any other school? Because if you're going to say like the private, you know, excuse me, like well, you know, you get a better option. It's like yo. Now obviously again, UC Berkeley got a fourteen percent acceptance rate, but still just straight up from a dollar to dollar standpoint. If I'm sitting here looking at different colleges, I'm like, how y'all charging more than UC Berkeley? It'd been different at UC Berkeley was 24, 25, you know, $30,000. And like, oh, it's like, how you charging more than UC Berkeley? This this degree I'm getting not, not going to represent more than UC Berkeley as far as, you know, what school did you go to? Come on, y'all. And these are the things that people don't want to discuss as far as looking at your college decision-making process. It's like, yo, I know you're not going to Cal Berkeley and you paying, you paying 53K to go to Virginia out of state? Let's talk about it. And this is one of the things, too. We're talking about private school, right? So we did public school, right? UC Berkeley. But then if we want to go to USC, which is in California, USC is $61,000. Now, my math is terrible, but 14 goes into 61 about, what, three times, four times? What is it, 15? Yeah, four times. Is University of Southern California, they might be four times better at football. They're not four times better from a degree standpoint than Cal Berkeley. It actually said, you know, it said, you know, public universities, right? But if we look at, you know, the best schools, those were national universities, so public and private, because USC um, should be a pri is a private university. USC is twenty five, so UC Berkeley is twentieth, and this is same, you know, same survey. So USC Berkeley, I mean, UC Berkeley is five spots ahead of USC, but yet USC is going to charge you four times more because it's private. The degree's not four times more. And again, now if you're going to USC to play sports, you're like, you can get full ride. But it's like, why would you pay that to go to the USC? And if you can get into USC, you probably can also get into UC Berkeley.
I'm, I'm just saying, USC got a 13% acceptance rate. So it's, it's even harder to get in. It's 1% harder. Not, not like that, but yeah, it's 1% less. That So these are the things that people need to sit down and start looking at when they're doing their, the college decision-making process. The point of going to college is to do what? Get a degree. And to get a degree, you have to pay the tuition, whatever little you know required fees that they have. But we looked at the tuition already this past like damn near hour or really like 25 minutes ago and you're paying anywhere roughly speaking you're going to pay around in that ten thousand dollar range a year you see berkeley is 14k for a year so a semester is going to cost you at most ten thousand dollars let's say 20k on the high end but it's going to really be less than that when you break it down to the three months a semester is you're going to pay anywhere from you know fifteen hundred to roughly three thousand dollars a month but it's going to be closer on that fifteen hundred side for most schools but if you choose to go the private route, especially private or out-of-state route, then you kind of have to deal with that. Definitely the out-of-state route. You kind of have to deal with all that debt you just took out because you just took it out because what? You like the houses? You like the land, the area, sports team? Right now, you go to USC over Cal, right? It's probably a lot more lit at USC. But you go to college to get a degree. And if you're actually making a decision to get your degree, you would never choose USC over UC Berkeley because, you know, it's not four times better from a financial standpoint. And at the end of the day, the connection you make at UC Berkeley, USC, UC Berkeley cannot be four times less than what you make at USC. By the way, even from an athletic standpoint, Aaron Rodgers, he went to UC Berkeley. Marshawn Lynch went to UC Berkeley. I think that's where they went. They're the Bears, right? Yep, this is where they went. They went to UC Berkeley. Marshawn Lynch went to UC Berkeley. Let me double check that real quick. I'm pretty sure he did. I have to double check that. Let me see his college. Let me share the screen. Shout out to Marshawn Lynch. I hope he gets it all of fame. I think he should get in, but like his his speech got to be. Look, California. What is this one? Is this not Berkeley? Yep. Program represents the University of California, Berkeley. There we go. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers can go to UC Berkeley, it's some type of good. No, obviously not better than you. I'm not saying UC Berkeley's better than that. It's better than, uh, let me share my screen again. It's better than, um, it's better than USC. But we, we got to start looking at the numbers when we're talking about, you know, making these decisions when it comes to going to college. All right. And now we talk about public versus private. And it's well known, even or public versus private, that if you want to, quote unquote, be successful, public school is probably the route to go. Right. But like what what true data do we have? What human could we possibly look at? So for those of you who don't know who this person is, this is Tim Cook. OK, Tim Cook is this. Um, who is he? Oh, he's the CEO of Apple. Chief executive officer, CEO of Apple since 2011, took over from Steve Jobs. Rest in peace, Steve Jobs. If you don't know you know what or who Apple is, Apple is the largest company in the world. I don't know if Saudi Arabia is ahead of them, the oil company that they have, but definitely the largest in the United States publicly traded company. They have uh, they made the um, iPad, they made the iMac, they made they made the iPod, they started podcasts. That's what they call podcasts. They made the iPhone. They make a lot of great stuff. I mean, it's, it's Apple. Okay, they have a super integrated system. You get into the Apple iCloud system, and it's hard to get out that Joker. Apple is an extremely great company, even though if you may prefer Android, but the numbers speak to how good as far as financially Apple is. Now, the CEO of Apple, where did he go to school? By the way, he was born in Mobile, Alabama. Um. Let me see. Where's the education at? There we go. So we're going to early life education. He earned a Bachelor of Science in Industrial Engineering, a great degree, right? STEM degree from Auburn University. 
So if Tim Cook is good enough to go to Auburn or a public school, so is your ass. Now, oh, Auburn's great at football too. Shout out to Cam Newton. How much does it cost to go to Auburn? Now, this is how much it cost when Tim Cook went there. What did it say? Tim Cook went there in the 80s. He graduated in 1982. But if you go to Auburn, it's it's $6,100. Let me zoom in so y'all can see that. A resident, $6,100 for Auburn University. These are things you have to start looking at and saying, well, where did you know, the top people go to school? Well, Tim Cook went to freaking Auburn. He went to a state school for his bachelor's, and he got a STEM degree, as I mentioned. Why can't you take your ass to the public university and get a STEM degree, too? But why, why are you so high on your hog? And again, this is a little bit more than Maryland as far as UMD. $6,000 a semester. That's a little over $2,000 a month, right? And there's some fees in here, right? Obviously, when it comes to, you know, books and, you know, computer things like that, you've probably got to get, you know, all that anywhere you go. And that's roughly the same price. So no need to equate that, right? Same miscellaneous expenses, right? Books, supplies, transportation, right? But for, for, for the tuition part to get a degree, now, and this is where it gets so funny, and this is why I say we have to have a conversation about how much college actually truly does cost, regardless of what you, should, you know, if you should go to college based on the degree. But the room and board for the University of Auburn on campus or off campus is more than the tuition. So to get the degree, you have to pay the tuition. You don't have to pay the room and board. But if you choose to do that, you got to kick this man out. If you're just saying, yo, I just want to get a degree, you don't have to kick out that stuff. But if you choose to, then you're going to pay more money. That's how you get to $13,000. And then Auburn is a school that's going to attract out-of-state students because, you know, from a sports standpoint, and this Auburn is a very large school, it's like, yo, you got to pay 16 right, a semester, by the way. So this is 13, this semester is going to be 26 um, K for a year, which is going to put you close, right? 25 times 4 is 100 K. You get a hundred, you're going to see, and this is where you have to start looking at things. This is by semester. Okay, so by semester, is 6k and then if you stay on campus or off campus another 7k i'm round, i'm just rounding real quick that's going to be thirteen thousand dollars and then plus the miscellaneous expenses right so that's 16 then multiply that times two those per semester that's 32k for a year and 30 times four is 120 000. that's how y'all getting six figures in debt for an in-state public degree at a four-year state university because your ass has started to stay on campus why can't you drive someone to commute for the last, you know, for three years? I stayed on campus my first year, but I commuted three years. That saves you so much money. And y'all just choosing not to commute because what? You want to party? And that's the thing, too. Why well, I shouldn't have to pay more in taxes because you wanted to party in school. If you had the option, everyone doesn't have the option, but you kind of do. You might may not be Auburn, right? You may not live close to Auburn. You may live closer to Alabama. Go to freaking Alabama. Go to Alabama. I'm sorry if if you like Auburn more than you like Alabama, but go to Alabama. Well, Alabama's better from a football standpoint, too. But go to Alabama if you live closer to Alabama than you do Auburn and you live in Alabama. Why would you pay another $7,500? Essentially double. You're getting you're getting two you get two degrees. This is insanity. If you were to just not stay on campus and just pay the, the tuition rate, you could get two degrees in the same amount of time from a price standpoint. Take your ass to Alabama if you live closer to Alabama than Auburn and you live in Alabama. That makes no sense. And any other state school, right? If you live closer to Towson than UMD, right? If you live in Baltimore County, Hartford County, whatever, go to freaking Towson. Why are you going to UMD? So you can stay on campus? That don't make any sense. Oh, my goodness. All right, y'all. So that's that's the debt as far as looking at, well, how much does college cost, right? How much tuition? Is it truly expensive? But we've seen those numbers. 
we see that from a, a standpoint is how much the average college tuition. Let me find this chart again, this table. This I have so many tabs. Y'all don't want to know. As y'all can see, I'm clicking through them. But we can see these average numbers is all in this, you know, $10,000, $15,000 range. Look at these. And obviously, it's more expensive, right, on the northeastern states. But it's like, yo, college on, on a yearly basis, and this is per year numbers we're looking at right here. Right? Four-year public in-state tuition. You're looking at that 10K range. doesn't cost that much. But now, excuse me, for those of you who made that out-of-state tuition decision, you made that private school decision, you made that I'm going to stay on campus decision, and the student loan forgiveness isn't enough for you, how much, you know, who's impacted by it slash how much do they have? I promise y'all this is probably going to go a little bit faster. Probably not. CNBC survey student loan holders are more likely to be women and people of color. If you didn't know, the people who have the most student loan debt is black people. So if you didn't know what way this is going to go, this is going to go to black people. Okay, I'm just telling you that now. This is published last year, almost a year ago, by Abigail Hess. Abigail Johnson Hess. Okay, Abigail, we'll be getting into there are a few things more American adults have in common than student loan debt. A few things more Americans have in common than student loan debt. Right, 45 million. That's a number that's always been talked about. 1.7, 1.75 trillion, right? This diverse population of student debt holders includes senior citizens and teenagers, high-earning professionals, teenagers, 18 and 19, my goodness. High-earning professionals and low-income laborers, Republicans and Democrats. Still, there are some groups that are disproportionately impacted by student debt, especially women and people of color. Now, we're going to get into, you know, as we get into, okay, who has the most student loan debt slash impacted the most? And then we're going to look at, obviously, what degree feels, because your ability to pay off your debt, regardless of what the debt, you know, type of debt it is, is going to be relative to how much income you have, regardless of your expenses. But, you know, you got to have some type of income. So we started getting to, well, what degrees are Black people getting? That you can't be getting slash taking out the most amount of debt and choosing the degree fields that make the least amount of money. That means you're going to have the hardest time to pay off the student loan debt. That's actually how it should work. So if black people are taking out the most student loan debt, excuse me, and choosing degree fields that have the lowest income, then we should have the hardest time to pay off the debt. That's that's how you know that'd be like science math, right? If you have the most amount of debt and you have the least amount of money, it's going to be hardest for you to pay off the debt. Okay. All right. And then when we get to, I'm going to get into how much, right? Y'all saw I did the general numbers, right? As far as college tuition, we're going to look at where the black people mainly go to schools, HP. Okay. When we start looking at these numbers, y'all have to explain something to me. 1.7 trillion, close to 9% of the GDP. That's huge, significant, and really, all right, every American. Okay, cool, cool. Jura sound, right? Is this a study I'm looking at too? Is the same one? Georgetown University. I think it is. I got another sort of study, I think, by Georgetown University Center. Okay, but their long-term experience really depends on socioeconomic status and is highly correlated with race and is highly correlated with wealth and whether you come from a high-income or low-income family. And I'll give you that excuse as far as, yeah, you can you can submit it in court. You might not win the case. But uh, okay, right, white people have more money, right, come from more wealth, and then they're not, most of them aren't first-generation college-educated. However, I see all of these Black people now getting degrees, right? At least black women, right? Black women getting more than black men. But if, and, and for, for, fortunately, all everybody, you know, you, everyone's coming from a black woman in the general sense, right? Like women give birth. But it's like, 
isn't the I was the first person to graduate college in my family. Isn't that excuse ending with millennials? So aren't we going to get to a point where people are no longer going to have the excuse of no one in my family went to college? You definitely gonna have you. You had access to the Internet. We were not going to hear that crap. All right. So, yeah. OK, you come like high, high income, low income family. OK, cool. CNBC plus Acorns recently released right a study. 68% of U.S. adults have 50% federal student loan and women, people of color are disproportionately represented in these groups. Okay. Momentive. Survey 5,100 American adults. Get a better picture. Reflecting historically to access capital, more people of color and women have federal student loan debt, which is true. About 24% of black adults say they have federal student loan debt compared to 50% okay, Hispanic, 40% white. Okay. By the way, this reflects the income numbers as well. So this is this is one of those things where like things get so intertwined. So is it that black people have the most student loan debt, or is that we we make the least amount of income across the four major groups: black, Hispanic, white, and Asian? So the Asian got the most money. If you know, if you didn't know, so if the people who have the most money, it makes sense they have the least amount of debt. Because as I said, if you got the least amount of money, you have the most amount of okay. So sometimes it's like, is it just is there are there other issues besides like it being student loan? Is this more of an effect? type of situation like yeah we got the least amount of money so we're gonna have the most amount of debt if we choose to you know spend money quote unquote we're gonna need to take out more debt right if we if i if something costs ten thousand dollars and we only got two thousand everybody else got more than two and we gotta take out 8k to pay for it and then we can't get married take out 8k and had to take out less add more money women and people you know well i'm not getting that right now women are also 19 percent are more likely than men 11 percent to have student loan debt and I, I don't know if this is saying take out student loan debt or currently have women have two thirds of the current, like the current student loan debt, women have two thirds of it. So even if black men take out the second amount of most second, most the second largest amount, whatever it is of student loan debt behind black women, men are more likely to pay it off. So even if black men take out more debt than everybody but black women, they're more likely to pay it off due to the fact that men have less of the current student loan debt. 11% of white women, seven of white men, 17% of white women, 15% of black men, 31% of black women, 10% of Hispanic men, and 9% of women have student loan debt. So again, women just have more debt, as I explained, but all the women have more debt than all of the men. Yet all on at right, this is not, I guess it's not on average, this is out of everybody, right? But on average, they have more student loan debt as far as the women. But then in general, shouldn't you be using college to, you know, further your career, increase your income? But then men still are out earning women. So at some point in time, we have to look at like what's truly going on. It's like, yeah, you got more education, more debt. Right. But it's like you're still earning less. So is that it's not it's not a lack of degrees. Right. That would be bringing the question like degree field, one would say. Right. Respondents to federal student loans, people of color and women are more likely to have student loan debt. OK, this is another chart. White. You can bet these blues are too damn close. These these blues are too close. White men, this goes men, women, and then white, black, Hispanic. No Asian on here. Asian people are extreme outliers, by the way. Hispanic men have the least amount of debt than white men, than black men, and then white women, then Hispanic women, then black women. You can see black women, roughly speaking, have almost they have double the amount of debt of almost everybody, but Hispanic women. So. These findings echo decades of work from student researchers, according to American Association of University Women. Women hold roughly, again, like I said, two-thirds student loan debt. I promise you I don't read these articles before. I just, I just, as Jordan said, I'm a collector of information. 
Data from National Center for Education Statistics suggests that Black and African-American college graduates owe on average 25,000 more in student loan debt than white college graduates. Four years after graduation, 48%, almost half of Black students owe an average of 12.5% more than they borrowed, and 29% face monthly student loan payments of 350 or more. Yeah, my student loan payments are over 500. Yeah, I mean, my mom's parent plus one was my mom's parent plus loan, but hers was 369, and mine was 201. So, although they, everybody's payment is zero now, especially when this article dropped, this article dropped in what 2022. So, no, nobody has student loan payments at the time of this article, but you know, it's saying it's 350. Um, okay, let's see, what does this chart say? Student loan, I wish I could play this, I'm not going to. Okay, Brookings Institute estimates that an average black college graduate owes whew, 50 racks, 50 racks. That uh I don't I'm 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 here I'm thinking about all the all the black people I know, but the student loan situation for my black counterparts, that's 50k. I don't know 50k. I owed I might have owed 50k. I, I paid off over 30. I might I might have owed 50k. I, I can't remember. Um, I just aggressively paid off 30. But okay, I, I like that 50k number. And then white college grads owe closer to a little under 30k, 28,000. So black people about double. Woo, Lee, Jesus. And the Urban Institute reports that among borrowers from the ages of 25 and 55, that's 30 years. That's damn near your whole working career. Who took on college? And that's the one thing too. When they go back and tell us how cheap college was in the you nineties, know, pretty much before you know the, this new millennium, if you got student loan debt from the freaking seventies, what you what you been doing? Oh, that's that's the thing when I say you've been working your whole life and you got no money. How you been working 40, 50, 60 years and you die broke? That, that's your fault. That's got to be your fault at some point in time. My goodness, you 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 had a whole life and did nothing with it. Hell. Who took on college debt to finance their own undergraduate degree? Again, black borrowers, 32000 while white and Hispanic borrowers owe roughly eighteen and fifteen dollars respectively. Making clear who's most impacted by student debt is a crucial part of the student debt, which is why I'm going into CSA. Look, making clear who is impacted most by student debt is a crucial part of student debt and especially student debt forgiveness conversation. So that's why I'm seeing who's impacted the most by it. For those of you wondering why I'm looking at who's impacted the most, it's because, you know, Smith says that we have to look at it. Whoever Smith is. Who is Smith? I don't know who Smith is. Who is Smith? Nicole Smith, chief economist at the Georgetown University Center. So Nicole Smith says we need to look at this. A chief economist. Economist. is economist. Economist. Okay, oh, here we go. All right. Do you deserve to have some sort of assistance with going to school? That's really the conversation about student loan forgiveness. Nah, if you want to have if you want to take out debt to go to school, that's one thing. The student loan forgiveness is the is forgiving the forgiving the assistance. Let's be clear. This is a quote to the no ellipses in here because you hear objections to it. It has to do with, well, what about all these rich kids who are going to school to be doctors and lawyers? You know, do we subsidize their education? They come out to be millionaires. Doctors and lawyers, they're not coming out to be millionaires. Shout out to the doctor. I mean, the doctors, the um, 
these medical doctors and they say doctors here now people get doctorates but shout out to people who do law, uh, lawyers and they uh, they work in the public sector you know we subsidize their education they come out okay she says she's referring referencing comments by people such as president joseph biden who said he would not forgive up to fifty thousand federal student debt because it would benefit people who have gone to Harvard and Yale. And <laughs> those are private schools, though. But still, see the one thing we we'll see, and this is where I laugh. So, if there's forty million people with student loan debt, more than that, right? And people are saying we should do up to fifty k. I believe that was Elizabeth Warren. I think Bernie said all of it, but I think Elizabeth Warren said fifty k. But if you want to do up to fifty k per borrower. 50,000 times 40 million is 2 trillion. There's less than 2 trillion in student loan debt. So you just want to forgive all of it. That, that that's I mean that's that's what you would say you'd be on the hook for 50k, you know, up to student loan debt. I mean that that's what they were saying, but hey. We end up driving the conversation by the tail end of the distribution. Explain Smith we end, we end up driving the conversation by the tail end of the, okay. We're having a conversation about the expectations to the, the exceptions to the rule. Okay, sure. Braxton Brewington, press secretary for the Debt Collective, a union organization that represents student loan debt holders, says this misconception about what groups are more impacted by student debt is often used to justify someone's opposition to cancellation. Student loan borrowers look like and are as broad as the working class itself, he says. I said, Jesus, in an article. Okay, cool. So this is saying that black women and people of color are the ones mostly impacted by student loan debt. And now we're going to get into, well, okay. We looked at how much does tuition cost, right? First, we looked at, you know, this forgiveness, you get into 10K or 20K. It's not all going to be forgiven. So now we got to look at, well, how do we get all this student loan debt and what we do going forward? We saw college tuition, right? As I'm doing like recaps in between, college tuition doesn't cost that much in the general sense of how much student loan debt people have versus, um, how much it costs to get just a degree from a tuition standpoint. We saw many states are going to be in that 10K roughly range for a year. Okay. And if you're going to tell me that you can't either work while you're getting your degree full time, 12 plus credits or 15 to graduate in four years, right? A semester, 12 to 15 credits a semester while you're doing full time. But I worked, right? So you're telling me if you can't work at all while you're going to school, and you don't have the option to not take a full-time load so you can work and take out less debt, or you don't have the option to go the community college route and so you pay less money and, and transfer to a four-year, or you don't have an option to take the community college route, not be full-time, so you pay even less money, can save up more for your four-year after you transfer your two-year. If you can't do any of those things and then you choose to go to a four-year in state and it's still too much debt, or you choose to go out of state Right. Or you choose to go private. All these different things I just laid out that are some type of barrier, some type of decision making uh, factors that should have factors that should factor into your decision making process. My goodness. My goodness. And that's going forward. Shout out to people. You already got the student loan debt, but going forward and really going backwards. But it's like there are a lot of things that you should be deciding. We should really be looking at the high school advisors. What are the high school advisors doing? I don't think I, it ever got brought up about how much college costs. Oh, my goodness, when it came to going to college. But these are things we have to start looking at and saying how many things should really go into deciding what college you go to, right? Your degree and how much it costs should be the two main factors, right? Is the degree going to be something that can provide 
generate some type of income for whatever life you want to live, right? But in short, can it make you some money that is going to be able to at least take care of the needs and make sure you can retire with something, right? And then how much are you spending to actually get that degree, you know, per school, right? In school, in state versus out of state versus private. We have to look at these things from a debt standpoint. We can't just say, just go and get whatever you want because that's what people did and they don't have nothing. So now what we're going to do after we look and see, hey, more demographic breakdowns. So y'all don't say, why does it look at that one article, right? This is June of last year, right? I'm, I'm going to do more articles so y'all can complain and say, I just looked at one article, one piece of information. So I have more references. Since I did go to college, I know I should have multiple references. That's why I have all these tabs. Okay. This is by Jacqueline DeMarco. Let me zoom in some more. Breathe heavy because I was like, all these names. Edited by Daniel Shepard and Zamora Martinez-White. This is a demographic look at who has student loan debt. So let's see if another article, you know, validates or, uh, you know, says, hey, the same thing the CNBC article says. All right, forgiveness, hot topic. And it's easy to see why more than one in five owing student debt. And these burdens are quite large for some families. Yeah, shout out to the fact when you get, if you marry into student loan debt and you already got student loan debt, my goodness, you got to pay that off. Well, forgiveness, with forgiveness on many minds, student loan hero researchers looked at who has student debt and which demographics are impacted most, are most impacted. Okay, this is based on the latest, this is a Federal Reserve survey. Dang, I got a green, green highlight on this. Where am I blue at? That's cool. All right, on consumer finances. <laughs> Also examines how I got to figure out how to do that. How likely different demographics are to hold student loan debt. Can you keep reading more insight? Like, keep findings. Okay, more than one in five U.S. families hold student loan debt. Twenty-one point four percent of families owe student loan debt as of twenty nineteen. The latest data from the Federal Reserve Survey of Consumer Finances. All right, it's down twenty-two percent of twenty sixteen. So these families, right? The average, I think, is thirty k, but the median. Is 22,000 up from 20,000. Black families, here we go, borrow student loans at higher rates, so at higher rates than other races, and they owe more. So you, we're borrowing more money and we owe more. And that's significant being, you know, a significantly smaller part of the population, right? It, it would make sense, regardless of the wealth that white people come from, that if white people had the total amount of student loan debt, because there's so many more white people, right? Be it the consensus. But if you're making up less than 20% of the population, you have the most student loan debt. That's like higher rate. Okay, that makes sense because we're on the lower income, but own the most. 30.2% of black families hold student loan debt. So that's currently versus 20% of white families. 14.3% of Hispanic families. Meanwhile, black families owe a median of 30,000 compared with 23K among white and 17.6 among Hispanic families. So it's making sense here where it's showing the less percentage households that have student loan debt, the lower total debt that they have. And that makes sense. Even if you have the debt, right, you paid it off. So a couple of factors with those numbers. Many families where the reference person only has a high school degree or didn't finish college still hold substantial amounts of student loan debt. Yes, yeah, shout out to the people who went to college and got the student loan debt without a degree. Just more than, and you still have the student loan debt, just more than a quarter 25.8% of families where the reference person, definition below, didn't finish college, owe student loan debt at a median of 15700 Okay, 11.8% where the reference person has high school diploma. Okay, see more numbers. The least wealthy Americans are most likely to hold student loan debt. That's simple logic. At some point in time, it can't be like, you know, a black-white thing. 
or race thing. At some point in time, economics, the le- the less money you have, it makes sense the more debt you have or the higher rate you take out debt or the longer you have that debt, right? So the least wealthy Americans are most likely to hold student loan debt. We can't say people with no money, but people, the people with the least amount of wealth or money have the most amount of debt. It's like, okay, who wants to be a millionaire? That should be the first question. And more of it. Okay, so 30, 36% of families in the bottom quartile of net worth owe 32000 in debt. Meanwhile, 5.7% of families in the top 10% owe student debt at a median of 20K. And this is where we're going to have to have a real conversation where the least wealthy Americans have 36% of families in the bottom quartile have $32,000. And the, by the way, this least wealthy, this is in the, the Pell Grant area, by the way. Because it has to be, because that's what Pell Grant is for, low incomes. It's not that the least wealthy Americans shouldn't be able to go to college, but what about their college decision-making process? Because it can't be, when we look at it, right, least wealthy Americans probably going to be right on the black, Hispanic side, to my black women, right, people of color and women. You can't be choosing the college options that cost the most. How do you have the least amount of money, but then going to justify spending the most amount of money that you don't have, right, taking out debt? That that's where it's going to get confusing. Yes, you should be able to right, be able to go to college, right? But if you don't have the money to go to college, and you have to take out debt, and you know you got to pay it back, and you got to pay it back. Or should you not? Should you not have to pay the debt back, right? Shout out to the student loan forgiveness. But when we look at these numbers, as far as how much, and we've looked at them, we look at more numbers as far as how much it costs to go to college, and we look at how much it costs to go to some of these HBCUs or HBCUs for women. Or some of the colleges, you know, these women go to for HBCUs, it's gonna be like, uh, and we start to look at well, what demographic as far as like not like black people, but like from an income standpoint, right? Wealthy blacks or least wealthy blacks, where are they going to school? And we start looking at the decision making process, like, well, y'all trying to run up as much debt as possible. That's what you're about to see. Okay, families and I just ruined like, the whole surprise, but like that's what y'all gonna see with this data. And it's like somebody gotta tell me the truth. Right. Or or these are just lies. But this gets confusing. Families in which the reference person was. Why are they saying reference person? They keep saying this. I'm trying to find the definition of reference person. Important phrasing to remember. Oh, it's right here. Reference person, economically dominant person in the household. OK, cool. I'm like, what? That should be at the top. Should be at the very top or the bottom. Whatever. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. The reference person isn't working. Oh, the most student loan debt. Wait. The, the reference person is defined as the economically dominant person in a household. This says families in which the reference person or the economically dominant person in the household isn't working. How are they economically dominant, but they're not working? Oh, the most student loan debt. I guess that makes sense. These families owe a median of 30000 compared to 23000 among families in which the reference person is working. I already know what families net worth in quartile means. Fewer families owe student loan debt, but they owe more. Let's start with some good news. A lower percentage of families had student loan debt in 2019. Okay, so least amount of families. The catch, those with student loan debt owed more than in 2016. Okay, this is more percentages. I'm probably not going to do this whole article. All right, it's just showing, okay, student loan debt by families, family struggle, couples without children, all 
couples without children hold the most of the loan that that makes sense because a lot of couples say and they're delaying having children a child or buying a house right do this to the loan debt this is a little bit interesting those without children seem to be struggling the most to pay down their student loan debt which is kind of kind of funny because one would say your expenses would be lower if you don't have kids this this is saying by the way couples without children this means you're either sink or dink because you know one person might not be working but if you're dual income no kids and you're struggling to pay your down your debt what are you doing I don't mean to laugh, but this is when people are complaining about, you know, doing the forgiveness. It's like, wait, this should say couples with children hold most student loan debt. Couples with children seem to be struggling to struggling the most to pay down their student loan debt. How do how how, how do you have no children, but you're struggling with money? What are you doing? You don't have kids. This this you don't have kids. So where's your money going? I could do a whole episode on this section alone. This is a this is a troll statement, by the way. Somebody like me should not read this. I should have prepped and read this one. This is this is I can't even really go on. What are y'all Negroes doing? This might just be Negroes, but but like, oh, this is what Jordan. I just made a post about this. Jordan said, "What are single people doing? What are you people with no kids doing? As someone who doesn't have kids, what what are they doing?" Couples without children have the largest amount of student loan debt, 35K, while those younger than 55 who are single and without children carry the second. What? Okay, we have a problem. Why is this saying that people who don't have children have the most debt? What the fuck are you spending your money on? Family, I, mean, I just have to read this again to make sure I'm not going insane. Family structure, couples without children. Without means they don't have hold most student loan debt. Those without children, meaning they don't have children, seem to be struggling the most to pay down their student loan debt, which may be why they haven't started a family. Okay, fine, right? Couples without children have the largest amount of student loan debt, 35,000. While those younger than 55, 55 is an extreme, that's 10 years before retirement. That's an extremely large age range when they did 25 to 55. With those younger than 55 who are single, so you're sink, single income, and without children or no kids, carry the second highest amount of student debt at 21000 What are you doing if you have no kids? And then y'all get mad at me when I say you can't go on vacation. This is what I'm talking about. Why? I know they say you're not supposed to take a pause, but this is something like I, have to, I have to take this data in because as y'all can imagine, I'm, this is my first time seeing, I've, I've yet to hear this. And this is why I say, just pay off the debt. And I'd be looking at people who say, you know, trying to find a way to help people get forgiveness and, you know, help them with their student loan stuff. It's like, just pay it off. Because no one, I've seen a lot of different finance stuff, especially on student loans. This is one of my favorite topics to research and discuss. No one said that people without, they've said that people without children, right, are not having children due to student loan debt. I've yet to hear that people without children have the most student loan debt, whether you're a couple or not. So that, I guess, is this saying have kids so your student loan debt goes? <laughs> one, one would say, shout out to science, right? Y'all, that's a problem. That's a problem. If you don't have kids and you're in this $21,000 to $35,000 range 
and you're 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 and you're and you're saying you know you're struggling, right? Say you're paying it down, you're not struggling. But if you're struggling, you don't have kids, you're struggling to pay bills, you just need to go to work because you don't have kids. So what are you doing? Somebody has to explain to me why people who don't have kids also don't have money. You should at least have two full-time jobs. Hell, minimum wage is 725 across the country. So if you have two full-time jobs, that's $14,000. Uh, dollars. I mean, you know, that's not fourteen thousand. It's twenty-eight thousand. It's fourteen fifty an hour. That's thirty thousand dollars, I think. Fourteen fifty times two thousand eighty hours. Yeah, thirty thousand one hundred sixty. Someone has to explain to me why people who don't have kids get an excuse of not having money. Because what are they spending their money on? Especially if you're single. At least if you're in a relationship, you can say you're spending all your money on your significant other. It's saying single people without kids got the most amount. What are you doing? Tricking it? You you tricking? You tricking? That's not to say that parents have small amounts again, right? Cool. It's not just as much. Oh, thank you. Obviously. Couple with children, harder to throw it around. Okay, 19K. But it's saying that's almost double. It's saying the couples with children hurt 35,000 and the couples with, with without children is 35K. With children is 19K. 19 times two is 38. He almost got double. That's a, that's a big difference. It might be third place, but that's a big difference. Not a bigger difference from single, but for couples... For having a kid, not having a kid, it's damn near half. So it's not, yeah, it's not just as much as it's freaking half. And these parents with student loan debt, right? Parents are faced with a unique challenge of paying off their debt and potentially saving for their child's education simultaneously. No, don't do that. If you have debt, take care of yourself. If you want to set your children up financially, make sure they don't have to spend money to take care of your ass. Now, they might have to physically be there, right? You might have illness that you can't prepare for, right? You might get dementia, you might get cancer, something like that. But financially, you need to make sure you can take care of yourself in your later years. And then obviously your children need to be able to, you know, make sure your money's being managed properly. Cause like I said, you might get dementia, something like that, power of attorney, all this type of stuff. And they might need to, you know, you know, figure out time in their schedule because they might, you know, everyone doesn't trust, you know, home care providers, et cetera, et cetera. But from a financial standpoint, it's on you to take care of you. Don't put your children in a situation where it's called the sandwich generation, where they have to take care of your ass and take care of their kids, which is this situation. And parents with student loan debt, right? So a sandwich generation would be their parents are paying off their student loans, trying to save for their kids' college, and they're trying to help their parents out who got student loans or medical bills. That's the sandwich generation. Don't don't put your kids in that situation. My goodness. But by the way, don't. If you're trying to pay down your debt, slash you have debt. You should only be spending money on your kids when it comes to necessities. Do not save up for your kids' college fund if you still have student loan debt. Do not do that. My goodness. And it's crazy how they say that. They have a unique situation, right, of paying off their debt while simultaneously saving for their children's education simultaneously. But what are the people doing without children? Because the people without children are not trying to save for nobody's college fund. So what are they doing? What is their situation? What's their unique challenge? Oh, my goodness. Okay, 2021. 70% of parents with their own student debt who have started saving their kids' education have had to pull money to pay other expenses. I bet. This is what I talk about from a debt. <laughs> Y'all, this is this is why. Shout out to Corden Full of Fat Podcast. Shout out to the Dave Ramsey Network. Shout out to Dave Ramsey, one of the goats. This is why we say just aggressively pay off the debt because then you're going to have to pull money from the expenses. You've been in a better position just taking care of your stuff, right? I'll take care of your needs, but you don't need, need, right? As far as, you know, is college savings account 529 ESA the same need level as a as the grocery bill? No. But yes, if, if you're struggling to get by, then you put some of your money in a non-necessity, you're going to have to liquidate that. That's why, and I, I can't knock it 
put so much. Dave Ramsey says, don't put money into your retirement account when you're paying off debt. You're going to have to pull from it. That, that, that's that's a lot of people's issue. That Just save the $1,000. Don't save the full emergency fund. You have to pull from it. I mean, I'm just like, that. that's what happens. 70% of people say they pull from it to pay other expenses. What other expenses? On the other hand, 24% of parents who no longer have student debt and 16% who never has student debt said the same. Is it? Right. It's a it's a third. Right. So 25 percent with 25 percent of parents pull for from their kids college savings and then 16 percent who don't have kids at all. I guess you know 25 percent of parents who no longer have student debt. So they had debt, but then they paid it off or pulling from their kids college fund. And then 16 percent of parents who never had student debt at all are pulling from their kids college fund. But someone still has to explain to me this right here. This I mean, this this is the. Out of, I mean, we've been doing this almost two years. Out of everything we've done, and out of all the stuff I research and seen, this the wild, this the wildest probably three paragraphs I've ever read. Couples without children have the most student loan debt. Then single people without children have the second most student loan debt. But somehow, parents with student loan debt have half as much as people who don't have student loan debt. So, a husband and a wife with kids on average have half the amount of student loan debt than just a husband and wife with no kids. Someone's got to break that down. Unless the data is going to show the fact that you had kids cause you to delay furthering your education, master's, doctorate, and thus for the people who don't have kids, they went and got a master's and doctorate. Unless that is the data. And even then, I still I still don't agree with it. But unless that's the data. Oh, my God. This is supposed to be about when I spoke, you know, this is supposed to be about black women. I thought it was supposed to be about people who had the most to loan debt. OK, parents with their own is the next one. With their own student debt are also more willing to consider withdrawing from their retirement. I just talked about Don't do this. Don't do this. Parents with their own student debt are also more willing to consider withdrawing from their retirement savings to help pay for their child's education. No, don't do that. Don't take away from your savings, your investing, to set up your kids. How about you just educate your kids? How about you tell your kids that they can work and go to a two-year, right? Or how about... Where everybody's gonna get mad at me. Let's say you already have kids. Why don't you stop going on vacation? Why don't you stop buying them birthday gifts? Thanks for Christmas, making sure they can look lit for Easter when they have Valentine's Day coming up from school, right? Maybe you gotta get people gifts right in class. Tell teacher we're not buying nothing. So you can pay off your debt and put your kids in a better situation. A lot of you may not be able to save for your kids' college fund as far as 529 ESA. But if you aggressively pay off your debt now and then set yourself up from a 401k Roth IRA standpoint, you'll be in a position in 10, 15 years, right, 20 years, where you'll be able to help your kids pay for college from a cash flow standpoint. I just went through it. It's 10K for a year. So that's 5,000 a semester. And if, if they work and you work, right, I mean, you're going to be working, right, but if they work while they're in school and you help them out, that cuts it down to 2,500 each. Why, why don't people break that? And this is why I'm like, I mean, this is why you need to get a STEM degree so you have this level of logic and do this type of, you know, math. My math be wrong sometimes, but it's like, if it's 10K a year and both, you know, say you have just one pair, but it still is 2,500 each. But no, you're going to let them go out of state or private and or choose a degree. You're going to let them go out of state or private and then choose a degree that's not going to make them no money. And then then, then you want it all when needs to be forgiven. It's like, no, the opportunity is there. But you want to keep doing these things that don't set you and your family up from a wealth building standpoint. And this is why I say I don't care. 
Some of y'all need to stop. I'm like dead ass. You need to stop going on vacation and stop buying your kids Christmas gifts, Easter presents, birthday gifts, all this type of stuff. No more birthday parties. None of that. You can't afford to do it. And then you're pulling from your retirement to help pay for your child's education. And then so what happens, though? You pull from retirement. And it'd be different if students were getting degrees that have higher, you know, degrees that put you in a higher earning income position from a degree standpoint. That's not the case. So you're taking out and pulling away from your nest egg, from your retirement to send your kid to college. And they're not even going to be in a position to compensate for the money you just took out. Because now you're going to put them in the sandwich generation standpoint, because now you're going to have less money in retirement. So now your children have to help out. But now the money you pulled out of retirement to put them in a position to earn income from a degree standpoint, they didn't get a degree to earn income from what you took out. And we're not going to run that math on a compound interest when you pull out your retirement. More than eight in 10 parents, 81%. Shout out to the Pareto distribution with their own student debt versus 66% of parents who no longer have student debt and 58%. Whoa. Based on this survey, they're saying eight out of 10 parents who currently have this and this, these numbers should be flipped. These numbers should be flipped. So 66% should still be in the middle. Why is it saying parents with debt or more student loan debt currently are more likely to pull from their retirement than parents without debt? If you have, if you still have student loan debt, you have less money, so you should be pulling from your retirement. It makes more sense that I should be pulling from my retirement or really these numbers should just be lower, right? It should just be lower, right? The, the people who should be pulling the least amount from their savings would be parents who currently still have student loan debt. It makes sense if you don't have student loan debt that you have more money saved. Right, parents who never had that, right? It's like, but my goodness, that's still that's over that's sixty percent though. And I would like to see the numbers with um parents who take away from uh do a HELOC or home equity. They do a take out a, a loan, um, pull out the equity on their house. This is insane. Eight out of ten parents who currently have student loan debt are taken out from their their four hundred one k to help their kids go to college. My goodness, this guy, there's not that much. Can't be that much though about black people though. I thought black people don't have that stuff. All right, here we go. Now we get into what I thought this article was about. Oh, this doesn't turn out being a good article. Race. Higher rate of black families owe student loan debt, and they owe more. Okay. Survey breaks it down. Student loan data by race, white, black, and Hispanic. Black families borrow student loans at higher rates than other races and owe more. Right. Okay, we went over this. 30000 Okay, boom. Household income can explain why black families have so much student loan debt. Yes, black families have the lowest household income. Or maybe it's expanded. The numbers keep changing you know, as we go through these years. According to 2020, black families have a median household income of 41, nearly 10K less. Right, okay, we're at the bottom because I know agents are at the top. And 24 less than white households. Okay. That significant difference in income can make it harder. No, it will make it harder. Not can, it will make it harder for black families. If you have less money, it will make it harder to, to spend money, your own money by definition. They had to pay back student loan debt and that same study. And that's that's where it gets confusing. If you come from a family with a low income, how does it make it harder for you to take to pay back your student loan debt? Wouldn't you just not take out the student loan debt? Why are why are we acting like you're born into student loan debt? It's not taxes. If this was taxes, it'd be different. You can't skate on taxes. This is America. Shout out to America. But 
if you're in a low income family, you know, this 41K, right, average, or it's a medium household income, you don't have to take out student loan debt. No one has explained to me why you can't take, shout out to Eric Thomas. Why can't you take, we say, eight year to get a four year degree or 10 years, or whatever? Why can't you just take longer to get your degree? It's not like you're about to make a whole bunch of money with the degree, anyways. So why don't you take our <laughs> Some of these things get very confusing. It, it's not harder for you to pay back the student loan debt. If you're coming from a family who's at this median 41, 42K, don't take out the debt. Why can't we just say that? Why can't we say don't take out the debt? This is why I shout Dave Ramsey, but it's like, don't take out the debt. Why do we keep justifying people with no money being able to take out debt? Student loans is the only thing we justify that for. We don't say people who are in poverty should be able to have 100K car loan for S-Class Mercedes. But you say they can take out $200,000 to get a degree that's going to let them make 40K a year. This is insanity. And they're going to be different if they were taking out these degrees for higher, you know, for jobs or degrees that will net them jobs with high incomes. That's not the case. Of interest, the 2016 data show black families with the median student loan debt nearly... 1,000 more than white families? A gap that's wider than 7,000. Wow. In 2016, it was 1,000. Now it's wider than 7,000. Like this 2019, 2020 study. Wow. Hispanics saw a significant decrease in median student loan debt, 19 to 17, from 2016 to 2009. And percentages with it, 19% to 14. Okay, the student loan debt by race. Okay, we're going through the years, and this is this is white. It's median the percentages, and it's white, black, Hispanic. Okay. Oh, there go my freaking ah oh, damn! Now they got come fast. See, I knew they needed to replace this freaking uh, smoke detector. And he's like, we come back if it beats again. It beat again. So we see thirty k. This numbers we already saw. I hope that this is gonna keep going off a couple more times. Excuse that, y'all. Education level Americans without college degrees still hold substantial amounts to loan debt. Okay. Americans without college degrees. Net worth, at least with the Americans, likely to hold the student loan debt. Okay. Americans with the lowest net worth, total amount, right? Assets, more likely to hold student loan debt. More than three in 10, 36%. Families in the bottom quartile of net worth have a median student loan of 32. See, if you got more debt than you do in your income, that's crazy. Those net worths didn't always have the highest amount. Okay, it's just showing that that wasn't always the case. Those not working owe more in student loan debt. Why do we need to be told these things? I bet if you don't if if you don't got no money to put towards your student loan debt, then I bet you're gonna have a lot of student loan debt. Uh, what was it say, entrepreneurs? Entrepreneurs are known to hustle and it appears consumers who work for themselves are working hard to build businesses and pay down their student loan debt. Entrepreneurs have the least amount of student loan debt at 18000 but this low level of debt for entrepreneurs hasn't always been the case. Okay, saying they owe the same amount or more than those who are employed. Okay, this is more crazy numbers. When it comes to occupation, this is how the median student loan debt amounts varied. Okay. Managerial, technical, other occupation, retired, or other not working. Okay. All right, boom, that's it. 
The likely reason for managerial and professional job holders, right, probably because they have higher degrees, is that more jobs falling within that category tend to require a college degree and potentially an advanced degree. So this is in including probably masters and doctorates. That was three beeps. I think I got like four or five more and then, or two more, I think. And then that should be done beeping. All right. So this is, this is just showing the crazy data and letting us know that, Hey, if you want to pay down your student loan debt and you're married and you don't have kids, have kids. Cause this is letting you know that um, by having kids, your debt is going to somehow get decreased. If you don't have kids and you don't have no money, that's your fault. If you don't, if you don't have kids and you don't have money, that's your fault. All right, y'all. I think this is gonna be the last. I got a couple more articles. I got a couple more articles on the on the debt disparity. I'm gonna go through them faster. So again, I have more references, and people don't complain. And say I just use one article. Okay, student loan debt by race. This is Education Data Initiative. Did I quote this person for the article? Yeah, I did. There we go. That's four. Should be one more. This is Melanie Hansen. Okay, again, student loan debt. Can y'all see this? Let me zoom in a little bit more. Hispanic and Latino. Okay, Black and African American. Average student loan debt one year after graduation by race. So these colors are going to be zero to 10,000, 10,000, 25, 25 to 40, 40 to 60, and then 60K plus. And that's dark blue slash navy, reddish, purplish. And like, see these colors. So let's see. So the most the the range that people are going to be in is like this 10k to 40k. That's what this central the middle looks like, where most people have. Although black people have the most student loan debt, most black people aren't having less than a quarter have 25,000 or less. The majority, 31, 28 percent are going to have from 25 to 60k, and that is what is that? 59 percent. That's 59 percent. But see, it looks like white white people got more in that range, right? 20, yeah. Let me do my calculator real quick. I'm thinking, like, can I add 62? Okay, it's only 2%. But, uh, you know, white people aren't far, far off. Same thing with Asians, 32, 27. So it looks like majority of people have anywhere from... Oh, I lied. My bad. I forget that red. Nope, I lied. Right, this right here. Nope, yeah. <laughs> My bad. Still black people. You can see black people with the 25 to 60K. We still have the most. I mixed up this red right here for 27 32%. All right. So this is all checking out. Again, let's just see black Americans, bachelor's degree holders, right? 52,000. We saw that 52,000. 45% of this debt is from graduate. Half the debt's from graduate degrees. See this? Forty percent of Black graduates have student loan debt from grad school, while twenty-two percent of white college graduates do. Over fifty percent borrowers report their net worth is less than they owe in student loan. I bet it is. They have a negative net worth. I could have told y'all that. At fifty-two percent, Asian student borrowers are most likely to have a net worth that exceeds their student loan debt. Your net worth can't exceed your debt. Your 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 debt is a subset of your net worth. It's not. <laughs> Anyways, okay, all right, month. Okay, monthly student loan payments again. 
zero to one hundred dollars, hundred to one fifty, one fifty to two fifty, two fifty to three fifty, and three fifty plus. Shout out to my live streaming skills. I think I'm gonna be able to do three hours with this. Also, shout out to my fancy team. I hope the, I hope I don't jinx myself, but I need the bang. I need Joe Burrow. I got Joe Burrow and Stephon Diggs. I just need them to play semi decent. I'm going up against Boyd and, uh, oh, what's the other uh, Davis? Is that the other Bills receiver? So I I had an eighty nine percent chance of winning, and I already had the lead. So shout out to my fantasy championship team. Shout out to Cooper Cut as I do it as a slight <laughs> slight distraction. Cooper Cup cost me money in one fantasy league, and I think I'm about to win another fantasy league because the person going up against had Cooper Cup. Yeah, Cooper Cup and Lamar Jackson. And so, obviously, you know, he was able to get yeah, carried, carried in the sense of they played well this year, but, you know, Cooper Cup getting hurt doesn't help, you know, for the playoffs. And then uh, the person I played last week had Jalen Hurts, and they didn't pick up Gardner Minshew. I still would have beat them if he did, but, I mean, I did, I did luck out from an injury standpoint this year. My team stayed. It didn't stay relatively healthy. Keenan Allen was my second pick, and he didn't play like the first half of the year, and I still was in third place, I think. So neither here nor there right now, but, you know, shout, shout out to the Bengals and shout out to the Bills playing right now. Um, So we're seeing what the student loan payments are. It's like, let's see what black people are at. Looks like Hispanic people are going to have the most on the higher end. American, like we got that multiracial. 35-10. So black people and Hispanic are going to be the same because they both have the same percentage, essentially for $150 or less. Okay, so we're seeing a good amount of people have, and I said it was at $350, right? So 30% have $350. Yeah, we're still the most. But I mean, white people have 24%, Asian 23 Hispanic low, but not that many people have, not many Hispanic people have debt anyways for student loans. So look at that. Debt repayment, debt payments by race. See black people again are the second most likely to have monthly payments over 350. Yep, behind Native Americans or what is that? Yeah, indigenous people. Payment status too. Okay, here we go. Payment status. Asian people five for Asian people and white people five percent and six percent respectively. I mean that's I mean that's that's high and not high, but I mean. 11 must mean paid off. I mean, the blue must mean paid. When it says paid, that must mean paid off. Because current current means you're still paying on it. And that's still a lot. Though. I mean, 77%. I mean, that's I mean, that's three-fourths. Right, they're paying. But obviously, when you see a 6%, 5% for Asian and white people. Okay, impact by race. Right, people of color. Hispanic, Latino borrowers. We're the most likely to delay getting married and having children due to student loan debt. Did not know that. So black people must be in second place. Student loan bars that are Hispanic say they put an offer getting married due to their student loan debt. Having children, 36%. Okay. 46% of black student loan borrowers were the most likely to put off buying a home. So, okay. 46% for buying a home. Obviously, home ownership, black communities, they believe is the lowest. So, okay, that makes sense. 43% black indebted student borrowers are the most likely to report having to work more than they would prefer. I, I don't know what this means. What do you mean 43% of people in debt say they work more than they would prefer? That's your preference, but what do you have to do? You're an adult. 0708 black bachelor's degree holders were the most likely among their indebted peers to describe the educational debt related stress as very high. 
we talked we talked about this you're not you're not anxious and you're not anxious and depressed you're just broke stress anxiety anxiety depression depression self-termination so they're under financial stress their stress is very high thus you can see the anxiety and depression numbers being very high for black women right because but when we're talking about this debt is you know for black people it's obviously more women than men okay i mean these are things you guys got to start connecting you don't have to but i'm just letting you know stress anxiety anxiety depression so if people have very high financial stress it makes sense that their anxiety depression is high as well multiracial people what's multiracial multiracial just white and black let me see what that is google definition Made up of relating people of several race, racial, ethnic groups. Okay, it doesn't say white or black. Multiracial people reported the lowest amount of stress. Okay. <laughs> what? But in 2012, they were most likely to report high stress levels. Okay. Multiracial people were also the most likely to call their stress levels very low. 58% of black borrowers do not believe student loans have advanced racial equality. Why would a loan advance racial equality? Because who's giving the loan? And then you're paying. Lord Jesus, we need help. Why would you think that taking out a loan from likely a white person would decrease that? <laughs> this is insanity. 66% of black borrowers. Okay, let, let's let's talk. Let me tackle this again before I continue. So 58% of black borrowers do not believe student loans have advanced racial equality. If in short, black people took out loans from white people. That means if you took out, let's say easy math, you took out 10K, you about to give that white person back 10K, right? You took out a loan, then you're gonna pay interest on it so you can give them more money than you took out, right? If you take out debt, you usually pay interest. And then you're going to get a job that isn't going to net you 10K at no point in time. And there are some people who are not taking out 10K. They're taking out 20, 30, 40, 50. Just to get a job that's going to pay them 10K at most. There are plenty of people, right? Social workers, you have to, you have to get a master's degree for that. And we'll get into that. These numbers towards those numbers towards the end. But if you got to take out a quarter million dollars for a degree that's going to pay you 40,000, right? And as a black person, you took out $250,000 from a white person flat out. Right. And then you don't get a job to pay you 40K and then you got to pay back interest. What do you mean? Why would it decrease the advance? Why would. Oh, they don't believe have advanced racial equality. Right. So why, why would. Oh, my goodness. Y'all got to start taking math and y'all start taking STEM more seriously. Y'all have to start understanding how like just math and, and economics works. If you take it out a loan from me and, and you're paying me back interest. And essentially what you took out the loan for isn't going to put you in a position to be able to pay the loan back. And this data was accessible to you before because the Internet was out in 2007, 2008. Let's be very clear. And you, you know, you sure you elected to neglect, as I say, to look up this stuff. That's on you. When are we holding people accountable? This, is, this, this data is getting insane. This is this is getting worse as I'm going on. So, and I'm trying to get through these articles faster, but the, the data just keeps getting better and better. <laughs> 66% of black borrowers report they regret having taken out student loans to fund their education. That's good. That's good and bad. Like, y'all shouldn't regret it because, you know, you made a bad decision, but that's a lot of people. 
average cumulative amount borrowed for undergraduate study again. So this is 10,000. Uh, yeah, okay, same thing. We already looked at this, I thought. Okay, whatever. Student loan by rates and ethnicity. Okay, white people, 40% use student loans to pay for school. 55% student loans go to white students. What? Okay. <sighs> and as y'all, if y'all, if it's your first time listening, I'm not one of these like, yeah, I'm not, as I think I call it blackity black. You know, look, you gotta lace up. We have to have a conversation in the black community about this student loan shit. This is egregious. Y'all, 55% of student loans go to white students. So there's the flat out loans. They got 100 loans, 55 of them are going towards white students. But that, is not, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean out of 100 student loans, 55 went to white students. Remember the data is black people take out student loans at a higher rate, meaning out of 100 black people, 30%, I think it was, or whatever, are taking out student loans. And let's say out of 100 white people, only 20% are taking out student loans. Okay? But 55% of the loans are going towards black people. Why well, I say 55% of student, black students use student loans? Okay, I see what they're saying. White people are getting majority of student loans, but half of black people take out student loans, right? That's the rate we're talking about. 20% of loans go to black students. We have, see, black students are getting, from a whole number standpoint, we're only getting 20% of the loans. That's insane. I mean, that that's, you know, wealth disparity. Okay, yeah, I got you. But at some point in time, we have to say, you know, we, we need to take another route. Okay, Asian people. Okay, cool. Black students are the most likely to receive federals. Okay. Asians, at least white students, are most likely to receive non-federal. So it could be private. Okay, Pacific Islanders. Okay, okay. In 2015, 2016, Pacific Islanders received the largest loan of 12.8. Same year, white students were second with 12.3. Okay, that's just one. That's just one year. <laughs> 30% of black African-American undergraduate student loan recipients borrow. <sighs> 40 to 60K cumulatively. I hope that is not yearly. That can't be yearly. It might be. I wish it said if it was yearly or not. I'm going to save myself for the night and say it's, it's, it's for four years. Oh, my goodness. And then two thirds of Asian borrowers about are doing 10K or less. Forgiveness and race, student loan debt forgiveness would immediately increase the wealth. <laughs> it would increase the net worth, which I guess if you want to say that's wealth. Student loan forgiveness would immediately increase the wealth of black Americans by up to 40%. Most research, let's see what there's leading into. Most research regarding student loan debt forgiveness and race. Focuses on the impact on black borrowers, most likely being this demographic is the most likely among races to pay a disproportionate amount in student loan interest. While elimination of loan payments allows households to reallocate those funds to investments, 
Lawmakers disagree how student loan debt forgiveness might impact racial wealth gaps. See, the confusing thing about this statement is when I read in the previous article how if you don't have kids and you're married, slash a couple said a couple, right? But I was assuming a bit married. But if you're a couple and don't have kids, you have more student loan debt than a couple with kids. But now this is telling me that if we eliminate the payments, people will be able to reallocate those funds to investments slash they would be, be, be able to better off use that money. But what are the people without kids doing? Because they got the most amount of debt. The data starts to conflict itself. And you want and like the data is what? People who you who piss poor are piss poor with their money management. It doesn't matter what they do until you make them better at managing money. They're still going to mismanage the money. That's what the lottery um, statistics show. Don't you mean the poor people win the lottery? They lose all the money. So these people need to learn how to better manage their money. The definitions of not being able to manage money is not having kids and being off worse off than people who have kids. When we're talking about student loan debt in this case, because what are you doing with the money that you'd be spending on kids? <sighs> okay, black college attendees. I just got to take so many breaths. This is just getting like, I'm like, it's not like draining, but it's like, my goodness, it's just like, what is going on? Black college attendees have a net worth that is 85,000 less than their white peers. It's 85,000, 8,500. White bachelor's degrees, degree holders make between 19% among women and 30% among men more in median annual income than their black counterparts. Okay. Income gap from a racial standpoint. White households have a home ownership rate of 73 while black 43%. They mentioned that black people are, I don't know, this article or the previous one that the main thing black people are delaying is home purchases. 60% of still indebted black student loan borrowers do not have a savings. Sheesh. Among black student borrowers on income-driven repayment plans, 71% do not have a savings account. How do they not have a savings account? Most banks require you to open a savings account to start off. Anyways, I wish they would let us know. Out of the 60% still indebted, black student loan borrowers do not have a savings, right? No money saved. 43% don't have a house. How many of these student loan borrowers are out here going on vacation? Shout out to Instagram. We all telling on yourself. That's what I really want to know. All right, cool. You don't got no money saved, but how much are you going on vacation? Private student loans by race. Okay, 73% white people who use private loans borrow 4000 or more. That's such a low number, 4 k Say Hispanic second most. Okay, sixty-eight percent of Black African American students who borrow from private organizations borrow forty thousand or more. God damn! Look how the, the disparity in these percentages and like this data. So it's telling us that seventy-three percent of white students who use private loans borrow four thousand or more, which is like okay. I mean, that, that would be my guess. It'd be a very high percentage. But then it's saying essentially that same percent of Hispanics and black people, right? Black women, people of color who borrow from private organizations, borrow 40K or more. Huh. Huh. Oh, my goodness. This is, I said I said it's getting worse and worse. And this last these last <laughs> this last bit of data. Oh, my goodness. How many more do we got by race? OK, we got a handful more by race. This is gonna be this is gonna be so good for the future. I might be able to, I might do four hours in on this. This is just getting insane. Okay, student loans by race again, bank rate. Let's see if we can look at some better things. Black students take out the most cool 30k again. 
90% of black students take out student loans to pay for college compared to 66% of white. Four years of the graduating black students hold almost twice as much student debt as their white peers, largely due to differences in interest accrual and graduate school borrowing. After graduating, 70% of black students are behind on their student loans compared to 9% white. Out of women undergraduate borrowers, the average black woman carries the most student debt at 41,000 one year after graduation. Almost 71% of black undergraduates are Pell Grant recipients, meaning they come from low income households. We, we discussed this about low income and all this debt. Okay, Hispanic and Latino. Okay, these are different ones. Well, this is black and white. Okay, breakdown by race. Average total education, then median and uh, house net worth. Ooh, look at white people. That's from the Fed. Jesus. Okay, racial disparities again. Let's see if we see anything new. 68% of white respondents said they never took out student loans to pay for the education versus 57% of black respondents, 64% of white. Okay, so this is saying 68% a white respondent said they never took out debt and 57% said they never took out for black people. Almost half of white respondents said they haven't delayed any important decisions due to debt compared to 36% and 31% respectively for black and white. 24% of black respondents said they currently have student loan compared to 13 white, 18% Hispanic. Okay, so nothing. Okay, student loan payments is saying 220. This is the average. So saying well, here's how their average monthly payments break down four years later. So the outside, <clears throat> excuse me, outside effect of student loan debt on marginalized communities can hurt monthly budgets after graduation. Department of Education estimates that in 2016, black bachelor degree graduates borrowed 53,000. White graduates borrowed 39.5, Asians did 44.8, Black people did 53.2, Hispanic 38,000 even. Here's how their average monthly payments break down four years later. And it's saying Black people, Black people got minimum payments lower than white people and Asian. That's just slightly conflicts, slightly slash, it, it runs in the face of the one that says $350 a month. However, this does make sense if you're not paying down your debt. If I have less debt than you and I put more money to it, I'm going to pay off my debt way before you. <laughs> the monthly payment gap can be even wider for borrowers with private student loans, which often charge much higher interest. Okay. This is written by Heidi Rivera. Bank rate. Student loan debt bottom line in America disproportionately interprets borrower of color, borrowers of color. Nearly every aspect of the lending process. Okay, cool. Regeneration or payment impacts racial gray. Okay. Excuse me, it's telling you how you can take advantage of federal benefits to help you out with your payments. Okay. That article was, that might have been a too many articles now the data starting to conflict, right? Another one. And by the way, this is so I, I don't want to hear nothing where I didn't have enough references. I could have been stopped going through this, but I don't want to hear where it wasn't enough data. Different articles we saw bang rate, little bit conflicting stuff about the monthly minimum payments but like I, I'm, I'm giving all this different data out here on the internet 
unfortunately with student loans doesn't have to be the most up-to-date data because obviously for someone like myself these these student loans this student loan prices don't impact me because i graduated you know in 2015 so and i have no student loan debt but you know you get what i'm saying this is by this welding could y'all see that bank rate one i just really got this oh y'all could yeah okay can i see this one let me see if you can see this one no you can't see this one at all yeah, let me zoom in some. Student loan debt by race. Okay, okay, here we go. Let's just more data. More data showing us that black people got the most student loan debt are struggling. And 30K, 23, okay, this is all the same. This is all probably from the Department of Education, to be honest. Okay, one in five adults. We saw that again. By race again, 2018, bachelor degree. Completers who received federal student loans. 76 percent in 2018 way above the numbers wow okay average student loan for amount for bachelor's degree again 32 percent for black people at the top again private student loans percent who use private loans percent in non-repayment due to economic hardship my goodness Percent of students who took out private loans and repayment outcomes. So percent who use private student loans. White people use more private student loans, but black people have the highest percent as far as in non-repayment due to economic hardship. This is a reverse chart. This chart shows the more <laughs> correlations. It's in inversely co correlated. The less you take out private loans, the more likely you are to be in non-repayment, probably some type of de right deferment, right? My goodness. What type of that's crazy. It, it would one would say the more you the more you use private loans, the more you're likely to be in uh, you know, a non-repayment due to economic hardship. You can say they might have taken out more private loans, but they come from more wealth than the racial gap when it comes to income. Okay. Percent of adults with student loan debt by race. Okay, black, not Hispanic is 30%. Other races, right? White people, okay, Hispanic. Median debt held per borrower. Again, 30K, 23. Okay, seen this. Average ratio of debt owed versus borrowed. Whoa, average ratio of debt owed versus borrowed 12 months post graduation. Black, not Hispanic, yo, they own. <laughs> So if you if you had a hundred dollars student loan debt, you graduated with black people owe one hundred and three dollars. White people at 98 percent. I mean, it's not that big of a difference. It's twelve months though, so that means black people are in a negative am or they're missing payments or whatever. But in short, they're not paying down their debt. Everybody else, look, this this is a very alarming, but very eye opening chart. This is saying that black people after twelve months are the only people who aren't paying down their debt. Which makes sense why we probably still don't have the most amount. I mean, we gotta have that conversation. That's all. Well, if you're not if you're not paying down the debt, and that means it's going up. I mean, if you owe more, the difference is at one hundred percent, but they owe more than what they graduated with, and make less money. I mean, there you go. Make less money and are less represented in the higher earning income fields. Wow. Okay, by race, gender, again, more gender. Okay, this is uh, average student loan amount borrowed by race and gender. So again, men are gonna be in the darker blue. So we got black men, right, with 35,000. 
there it goes black white hispanic asian and then it's the same way so black people then white people then hispanic then asian all right and it's not it's not that much different between you know, men and women so you know the, your your race doesn't really and asian men are the only ones who take out asian men and women are the only ones who asian men and hispanic men take out more debt than their respective women but white women and black women take out more debt than their respective men okay black student loan debt across loans student loan debt by race statistics black borrowers consistently see the highest debt levels at the highest rates which might explain why after a year they owe more than what they graduated with again interest rates you pay the interest first or should i say get satisfied first black white student loan debt gap is greater than other debt gaps it outweighs okay gap correlated with household income level and debt differences okay first generation okay income inequality impact okay cool more student loan payments by race okay repayments see so said this is says the bank rate was saying 220 this is the yeah, this is back to the 350 number we got debt free by 40. Black people not getting debt free by 40, but that's another stat, crazy stat. And isn't it, aren't, aren't black people delaying having children the most? So this this adds up, right? If you're, the later you, if you don't have kids slash, I guess the later you have kids, the more student loan debt you're going to have. This, this is too much. This is too much. There's a lot of data as far as looking at all these different data points and how they correlate with each other. Borrows behind on student loan payments. 70% black, 18% Hispanic, 9% white. I think it was 9%. Yep. Defaulted. Who defaulted? Okay. And that's it. This last one was about how much is black student loan debt? We mean how much is this? 30K. What you mean? Oh, man. All right, y'all. This is gonna be the <laughs> this is gonna be last one on the racial disparities in student loan. Who is this article by? Did I read this person's name? I love to get people to credit. Yeah, less or less welding. And then this article is by Anna Hernandez Kent and Faniba R. Ado Ado. Key takeaways, let's see what this, is this any charts? Women and black adults have more student loan debt. Okay, here we are again. Let's see, I'm gonna skim through it real quick. Hmm. Okay, average debt, this is more average debt. Men and white adults pay down debt faster, so again, Women and black adults have more student loan debt, but men and white adults pay down debt faster. So it's saying women have the most debt, but then black women have the most debt. And then, you know, or you know, saying, uh, wait, what? Yeah, women and black adults. So black women would have the most student loan debt by this one, right? Because they're women and they're black adults. And then Black men would have the most, but then black men would be paying down the debt, as I mentioned before. So there's that. Student debt by gender and race again. White, 
I was looking for all this data, and lo and behold, it's in all this stuff. It's probably why I couldn't find it. It's all in all these ones. I was looking for this breakdown by demographic in all these different articles. Average student debt, and then share with student debt. So white women. So this is the average, and this is where it gets confusing. It's saying the average debt is 11,000, right? And average median is like, it's not that much. It's, it's only 1,400 more. White women have 9,600 per, per St. Louis Fed. Maybe this is the St. Louis area. Where do they get these people from? Where is this study from? This research that across general race dimensions. I don't see where this study is from. Oh, the St. Louis Fed working. Might be in the St. Louis area, but still, it's only a $1,400 difference. It's not that much. It's only $300 between white men and black men. They're saying this is saying white men have $300 less in average student debt to black men. Respectfully, any type of racial uh, income inequality thing you bring up is not going to impact this. My goodness. Why are women and black adults more likely to have student loan debt? I'm about to get into that, but let's see what this says. This is a great transition article. I did not line up these articles like this. Young adult women are more likely to enroll in and graduate from higher education institutions. So in short, they're furthering their education. Therefore, they need more debt. They also leave college with higher student debt levels and take longer to pay off that debt. In part, this is because of the gender, right? Gender wage gap. Female-dominated occupations pay lower wages. See the same female dominated occupations pay lower wages and gender discrimination in the labor market. Furthermore, parents put away more in college savings for sons than daughters. Okay. In the we need we need we need we need data. We need an article. This should be a link to an article. I'm not saying that's not true, but like what? In addition, black adults face a racial wage gap with white adults and encounter racial discrimination in the labor market. Here comes racism. Black parents are less likely to have college savings for their children and less saved when they do, in large part because of substantial racial wealth gap. See, wealth has nothing. Wealth is an income. I remember that video I did. Wealth has nothing to do with income. And it has nothing to do. They're not directly correlated. The theory would be the more the higher income, the more wealth you have. But it's like, they're just saying straight up wealth. It's like, mm, what about management? And what about college choice we're about to get into? Black adults were also more likely to attend for-profit institutions and remain in school for more years than white adults. Both factors are related to higher debt levels. So black people are staying in school longer. And by the way, if you get like a full ride or something like that, they give you a full, it's four years. You got to graduate in four years. They don't give you a full ride for five years then why are black people staying in college longer? And I do believe HBCUs have, have, I guess, longer graduation rates with a four-year degree. Black women are also the most likely to have student debt because they're either double minority, they get gender and racial disparities, earning 94 cents for every dollar black men make, 84 cents for every dollar white women make, and 63 cents for every dollar white men make <clears throat> racial wealth, wealth gap how many times has that been debunked but what well, this is this is not that episode 
They also contend with the racial wealth gap. Okay, let's see. This one pull up a PDF. I'm not reading it. There aren't any charts on here. That chart's too small. Nah, it's okay. Yeah, that disparities. Okay, we can actually check out the racial wealth gap. Can y'all see this? I think y'all can. Let's just look at the chart. There's a chart in here real quick. It's the last chart. Yeah. Median family wealth by race, ethnicity, and household type. Why don't they have the words horizontal? All race ethnicities? Excluding vehicles, including vehicles. So median family wealth by race, ethnicity, and household type. So saying men's median wealth is 216. What? what? Oh, this is married. Okay, I see what it's saying. This, this is a hard to read sideways. So for married households, the men... Wealth is 216. Okay, whatever. Where's black people? Black people's right here. We're at 68 and 30. Oh, my bad. These are all the races. My bad. So then white white people is 298. Jeesh. 169. Oh, this is just comparing. Okay, this is comparing white and black people and Hispanic. Any race. Okay. This is I, I shouldn't have looked at this shit with my gut instinct. Okay. <laughs> now what we're gonna look into is all right. All right, we're gonna as we get into the third, the third, the third part, we're getting to the third hour. We obviously broke down the current student loan situation, what's going on with the forgiveness, the forbearance, whatever that is. Then we looked at well, how much does college cost? Not just tuition and required fees, but room and board, in-state versus out of state, private. Then we looked at, well, who's being impacted the most? We looked at all the different races, but how it breaks down from a racial standpoint as far as how much debt, who takes out debt, their monthly payments for mostly black, white, Hispanic, and then some of the um, the data had for Asian people. But we see that black people, and in particular, black women are impacted the most by student loan debt. So now we're going to get into is, well, if we saw that tuition in general, and not general, but for a lot of these state schools, it's not that high. UC Berkeley, less than 15000 a year, 14% acceptance rate, but still, UC Berkeley is 15000 a year, 14000 a year. UMD, for those of you live in Maryland, how much is that, right? UMD is a little under 12000 a year. But look at Towson. Let me pull up for my Maryland people. Towson tuition. There we go. Here this tab. All right, so Towson, right, 10, 10 8. Uh, make sure that's right on the site. All right, 10 8, out of state 26. Then if we look at UMBC. Take a little under 13. If I look at Salisbury. And I mean, you're going to look me in the face and tell me Maryland, Towson, Salisbury, UMBC. De- definitely, I mean, shout out to, they call it the blurry. But Salisbury, but uh, UMD Towson, UMBC is it, barely 50k for tuition for four year degree, All right? You pick them stem fields, you're gonna come out with some money, all right? But now we're gonna look into well, 
okay, we get that, hey, black people slash black women impacted the most. But now, as we sort of talked about how much college costs, let's look at, because black people mainly go to HBCUs, how much it is costing to go to HBCUs and maybe what HBCUs people are picking. Okay, as we know, private school costs the most. Well, private school costs the most on average than out-of-state and then in-state. There are some out-of-state that cost more than private. Most and least affordable historically black colleges and universities. This is done by... Amanda Push. Hey, I saw this person. Oh, we're on, oh yeah, one another uh, student loan hero. I say Zamora Martinez White has reappeared and Dan Shepard. Okay, cool. This is from February last year, 2022. Yep, students attending HBCUs. The U.S. aligns with their personal and professional goals. However, as both inflation rate and cost of living expenses increase, affording to rise in tuition can be a challenge for many students. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, yeah, yeah. To learn more about the affordability of HBCUs, Student Loan Hero researchers dug into U.S. Department of Education college scorecard data using average annual net cost to determine which schools are the most and least affordable. Net cost includes expenses such as tuition, room and board, here we go, room and board, and books, while accounting for grants and scholarships. So, Cahoma Community College in Mississippi is the cheapest HBCU, while Spelman College in Atlanta, shout out to ATL is the least affordable or cost the most. So Cahoma costs the least and Spelman costs the most, according to the findings. That should be, I could end it here. Okay, it says now, not that many people go to Spelman, right? And Spelman's also private. But as we break this down, if black women have the most student loan debt and the HBCU that costs the most to go to is an all women's school, Shout out to the date. Shout out to the map. The map is mathing. Now, right now, that many people, we don't get some spelling numbers, but I mean, we got to start looking at, well, I get, you know, racial disparities for people bring that up, income and things like that. But the the HBCU that costs the most money to go to isn't all women's one. And then black women have the most debt. I mean, okay. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, and when y'all see how much spelling costs, it's like, it costs how much to go to Spelman? It is private, though, so it makes sense why it costs so much, but cool. Okay, Oklahoma average cost, Jesus, it's a two-year, $1,000. It's $1,000. Elizabeth City State University, a four-year public school in North Carolina, has a net cost more than double that, 23 Jesus, $1,000. Now, Mississippi. I don't know if they're the lowest state in the using for, lowest state in the union as far as education, but I think they're the lowest and the poorest. I'm just so West College Education, shout out to Jack State University on Sanders. No. Um Spellman, average annual cost to his 10 four-year private school is $43,843. Only one other school, Howard University, a four-year private school in Washington, DC, has a net cost above 40000 I know people went to Howard, shout out to being from Maryland, right? Shout out to Howard. Um, Spelman is a little under 45,000. Spelman is not three times better than UC Berkeley. Why does Spelman cost more money than UC Berkeley? Mm -hmm. 
Spelman does not, it doesn't cost $40,000 to get a degree. And the connections and stuff you make there, like, especially now through the social media, man, y'all can make connections if y'all want to make them. But my goodness, as we see these numbers here for Spelman and Howard, both over 40K. And not a majority, but, you know, HBCUs at the top. Obviously, you know, the top ones, Spelman, Howard. You know, Howard is considered the best, but, you know, Spelman's right up there, Morehouse, things like that. Morehouse costs a lot, too. Okay, Denmark, okay, have the lowest median student loan debt. Denmark Technical College, two-year public in South Carolina, average of 9K. Students at American Baptist College, four-year private in Nashville, Tennessee, highest median debt with 41. My goodness. Only two HBCUs, Clinton College and Spelman, see at least 75% of their students graduate within 150% of normal time. For Clinton College, a two-year private school in Rock Hill, South Carolina, that typically means graduating within three years. At Spelman, that usually means graduating within six years. Now, if you're taking six years to get a four-year degree, remember, there's no there's no such thing as really a four-year degree in the sense of they say it's 120 credits. If you take 15 credits, 120 credits for a degree, 15 credits a semester, right? So 30 a year, 30 times four is about 20. It take you four years to get a degree. And 12 hours is full time. You also to do 15, right? Average 15 semester to graduate in four years. But a lot of people can't handle that 15 credit load because that involves you taking five classes. So they might take five years in this case, three years for a two year or six years for a four year. But remember that tuition for Spelman, it doesn't say like for a four year degree, you pay this, you know, four years and you're done. This is how much it costs a year. So if you're taking six years to go there, 40 times six, that's $240,000. You got to get out in four years. That's the other thing. So you kind of got to, you don't have to be taking out debt. You should. Because the, the housing isn't less. And then if you're in a situation where to receive the full financial right, aid, the, the most amount of student loan debt you can take out, you have to be full time. So you can stay, you know, room aboard if you're going out of state. That's how these numbers add up, y'all. People just continue to make bad decision making. And by the way, if you're taking six years to get a four year degree, that means you're 23, 24. You're at your high school, 18, and five years, you're going to be 23. Okay, Elizabeth College, Elizabeth City is saying among the five most affordable four public institutions, and of those five, four or two year, <laughs> while one, obviously, one is four. Most institutions at the top are a mix of two-year and four-year colleges with private ones appearing periodically. Meanwhile, private schools dominate the bottom list because private obviously does cost more. So that's expected. In particular, Spelman, right, four-year. All right, let's get Spelman again. Okay, Howard, same thing. Oh, I got the same list again? Sweet. Oh, nice. So I got to use the same thing twice. Nice. All right, so I believe this, this, this article is from this year. I thought there was like 100, a little over 100 HBCs, like 101, but this only has 97. But we're going to see the cost, right? And so I won't need this now. But before we get into looking at that chart, what we're going to do is look at a breakdown of where Black people are at, <laughs> right? That's kind of important. And so, yeah, let's see, look, this is saying 102. So this is where the HBCUs are at. Right, it's saying 102 HBCUs. So you can see it's you know, pretty much the South, right? You go Pennsylvania down, right? This is where the HBCUs are at. And then if I look at 
I don't need to look at that one because that's going to have a breakdown anyways. But now let's look at the demographics as far as we saw where the HBCUs are at as far as like a map of the United States. And as you can imagine, right, the black population is going to reflect that sort of right. But regardless if you choose an HBCU or not, we're going to look at where black people are at and then how much the HBCUs where black people you know, mainly live, how much it costs to go there from the public standpoint. Because if you live in it, by the way, shout out to D.C., if you're coming to school for D.C., right, say you live in Maryland, Maryland has four HBCUs. We got Bowie, UMES, if you live across the Bay Bridge, you got a school, you got uh, Compton, and then you got Morgan. You got Morgan. So if you live in Baltimore, you can go to Morgan or Compton. They're both, both there. Okay, Texas has the most people, right? But now what we're going to do is this is the black population. This is for 2023. So Texas has the most black people. Okay. But now if I want to come here and want to say, hey, Texas tuition. How much does it cost to go to the University of Texas? The University of Texas. So if you're black and you live in Texas, how much does it cost to go there? Why are we back again at 10,013? We're back at 10,000 again for tuition. Look at room and board, though. 13 racks. And obviously, we out of state. My God. That's crazy. Look, books and supplies for University of Texas. $724. It's for the fall and spring semester. So it's going to be 20K to go to Texas. That's a lot. All right. But then if we look at, hey, University of Texas, right? They got a lot of. How much is Houston tuition? Houston tuition is going to be. Oh, it's not going to show me. That's sensational. For the whole year. So it's going to be half the price. So Houston's half the price. And a lot of black people live in Houston. Right. So Houston's going to be half the price. University of Houston is $10,000. Right. So some good numbers from the, I guess, you know, PWIs, but the, the bigger state schools, and there are plenty of schools. I can look at Baylor. Right. I mean, look at Baylor. There are plenty of schools. So many schools. Look, Baylor might be private. Is Baylor private? It's private, so that's why it's 50K. Okay. Let me think. What else is in Texas? Um, Texas Tech. 11C, look, 12K. I mean, so there are some affordable, right, PWIs, right? Not saying you have to go there, but let's say, oh, no, black people are going to HBCUs because the white schools aren't affordable. Okay, we looked at that. And then when we come back here, we're going to look at, say, hey, let's look at this population again, right, for Texas. And we're seeing, hey, Texas, Florida, right, Georgia, New York, California, North Carolina, Illinois, South to Maryland, right? We see these top states with Mississippi is the last state with uh, a million black people. But then when we look at percentages, right, because you got whole numbers, right? I know when to switch between whole numbers and percentages, <laughs> D.C. But you got Maryland and Georgia being the only two states, I believe, that rank in the top 10 as far as the most amount of black people and then the percentage of black people. So Georgia is third in total black people and fourth in percentage. And Maryland is three, four, five, six, seven. It's eight in total black people. And then fifth, right below Georgia in percentage, less than 2% Delta there. And by the way, Maryland and DC, if you don't know, relative, not, not the same place, but same place, but you see DC at 50%. But we're seeing that, okay, 
a lot of the states, right? We look at the percentage of black people have HBCUs there. So we're saying Texas, let's look at the HBCUs for Texas. Let me go back to this screen. Texas college, four-year private, even the four-year private school, right? Oh, let me do this, my bad. Let me do TX because that's how Texas is going to be found. Okay. So we got St. Phillips College, right? San Antonio. Okay, two-year, but a 6,200, right? Then the next one is going to be a four-year private, Southwestern Christian School. Okay. You might not want to go to Christian School, but again, still AK. Then the next one is going to be Paul Quinn, another private school. Look at these private schools, how much they cost. 14K, another private 14, another private 14, another private 14.5, another private school 16.7, another private school 17.6, Texas Southern, right? Texas Southern, TSU, shout out to Drake, 19. Okay, so you might not want to go to these private schools, but there are schools in Texas, PWIs and HBCUs that cost less than Texas Southern. That's in Houston. The University of Houston. And then it's where it's like, hold on. Is the University of Houston better than Texas Southern? But it's less than it's half the price. It's half the price. So Texas Southern is twice as good as the University of Houston. Okay, you want to be around more black people. There's got to be black people at the University of Houston. I know. I see them on a football team. That's a joke, but they are there. All right. So we got Texas with some people, right? Now we're going to look at Georgia, right? GA. Look, we got 27 hits for GA. My goodness. That's probably, I know, okay, I'm about to say. Hmm. Savannah State University, 10K. I think it was for Santa Sharp with the school. Albany, 13. Another 13. Another 13.5. These are public schools, looks like. Then, right, we get down to Morehouse, Clark, and Spellman. So out of the top five, now remember, Georgia is third, I believe, in total. Third in total black people and fourth in total percentage over third population is black. And out of the one, two, three, four, the top five most expensive colleges to go to for HBCUs, three of them are in Georgia. And obviously, as you can imagine, they're in Atlanta. You got Morehouse. Oh boy, then you got Clark Atlanta, then you got Spellman. This is the data that I think people elect to neglect. They don't want to talk about if where essentially the most black people live, right? Mo, you know, as far as the highest when you like the average, right? Georgia's third and then fourth, so that will put them at uh, 3.5, right? They have three of the five most expensive colleges and the most expensive one, and they have a girl in a boys' school. Is Clark Clark? You have an all boys' school at thirty racks, and you have an all boys' school at forty. Excuse me, all boy at thirty, and then all girl at forty. This this is the data that I think people choose not to talk about because it's not, it, it'll help bring and shed more light as to why maybe so many people have student loan debt is because, well, the, the top schools and like are these the top schools, but you could, I mean, look, Hampton's right here, right at 30, right? But in short, if you're going to ask people what the top HBCUs are, 
And if you look at the top colleges, and this and this is why I keep doing this, you know what are really good colleges? There are black people in North Carolina. University of Chapel Hill. This is an amazing college. I already did Cal Berkeley, but let, let's go to UNC. What's their acceptance rate? 20%. And obviously it makes sense. I mean, it shouldn't be easy to get into college, quote unquote. UNC is 9K. University of Chapel Hill is 9K, y'all. But then if I come back here and I'm going to come here and I'm going to look at these North Carolina schools, let's let's just compare and see. Uh, I'm about to do North Carolina. These are acceptance rates. Oh, these are graduation rates. When we look at the, here we go. Dang, there's so many charts on here about this stuff. There we go. I'm back. I'm like, my goodness, there are a lot of charts. North Carolina AT is how North Carolina AT costs more than UNC. Look at it. I'm saying look at it like, but look, look, look. North Carolina AT is 10,274. They're saying Chapel Hill is 9,000. I know they're not in the same place. North Carolina is a big state, but my goodness. So it's not like there aren't options out there from a price standpoint for black people to choose. All right. And then next we got, let's see what the next North Carolina state is. No. Okay. North Carolina Central is 14. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to have to figure out if all the HBCUs in North Carolina cost more than UNC. Except Elizabeth State, which is a four-year public at 23.5. Okay, Fedville State, okay, 6,000. Yep, a and is at 10. Winston-Salem's at 12. They're 12. North Carolina Central's at 14. Whatever Livingstone College is, that's in Salisbury, but that's a private school, so we'll let that pass. St. Augustine's a private school. Okay, now we got private schools being more. So we'll let the private schools pass. We got to have a conversation about this. This is insanity. This is insanity. If you live in, if you live in North Carolina, and obviously they probably a lot of people want to get go to UNC, but my goodness, now Duke is private. I know Duke costs a lot. Let's look how much Duke costs. I know Duke. Um, Duke might be sixty k. I'm just I'm just guessing, y'all. I was only two hundred and forty four off. Duke is 60K. But that's that's Duke. It's a private school, right? So these are the, the numbers that you truly have to look at when you're doing your price comparison, trying to figure out how to go to college. Is college worth it, et cetera, et cetera. You can't choose to spend, have the least amount of money and then take out the most amount of debt and then use that debt as far as like a quote unquote investment standpoint to put yourself in a position to not earn a high income. So we have these options. And then if we look at Maryland, shout out to Maryland, right? All right, UMES is 17. Coppin is 11. Is UMES private? No. Why is it giving me in this order? I don't know. So Coppin's at 11.6. Bowie, huh, my school was at 16,000. UMES is at a little under 17, and then Morgan State is at 17. Okay, and then obviously, right, if you live in Maryland, you're looking at Howard as well, right, being at 40,000. 
All right, then you're looking at it might be like at a Hampton as well. Because remember, private school, there's no Delta as far as the price. So you're looking might be looking at Hampton as well, being at 31000 Okay, so we see Maryland and Virginia, both in the top, I mean, excuse me, Maryland and Georgia, both being in the top 10 as far as percentage of black people and total amount of black people. And we can see from a Georgia standpoint, the top five out of the top five least affordable colleges are most expensive for HBCUs. Three of them are in Atlanta, all of them being in Georgia. And then we see from a Maryland standpoint, you have some lower price points as far as Bowie and UMBS, you know, Compton, the public ones. We do have access to obviously Virginia, where Hampton is, and then Howard as well in D.C. So you do have some more expensive ones. So when we're talking about, hey, who is impacted most by student loan debt, black people slash black women? Then we look and see, which is what I did. I said, well, how much are the, how much are they paying for? How much does it cost to go there? And we see that tuition is extremely high at what is quote unquote the best HBCUs. And so if the HBCUs that black people are going to cost a whole bunch of money, right? And HBCU most students, HBCU with the most white students. Right. And we got Howard with being HBC with one of the most white, um, excuse me, one of the most white. They might have one of some of the most white students, but some of the most black. You obviously got North Carolina A&T, right? You got some other colleges on here. But the fact that you see Howard up here, that's a big deal. Okay. And then if we go here, right, we look at Spelman, right? Because we're talking about black women. So let's look at the, right? That's the first thing that came to mind, too. Let me look at Spelman. And I was like, dang. You see right here on there. This is the Spelman website now, right? 44. Tuition is 28. That's 30,000, y'all. And we already looked at it. I'm not going to go over it again, but and look, look, look at the five states represented. Georgia, New York, Maryland, California, MD. Y'all coming from Cali to go to Clark? It's Clark. Y'all coming from, no, my bad. No disrespect to either Spelman or Clark. You're coming from California to go to Atlanta for Spelman? I think Spelman's acceptance uh, rate is 50%. But you can see here, too, 39% of students are Pell eligible. That means they're in their lower, lower income household situation. 40%, that's almost half. Right? And then 87% obviously receiving student aid. Now, the population, I believe, is very low. Jesus, not the wrong thing. I think Spelman University's population is like in the 2000s. You have 2021. So if you're saying, right, if they all take it out, right, let's say it was 20 or 2417, and they all take out that 28K, $7 million, right? But that, that's still a lot, right? When we're seeing, you know, how, how much debt, when we're talking about how much debt do black women have or black people in general, and we're seeing, you know, how many people actually or going to these schools or something like Howard, right? Howard has 10,000 students. Right? I mean, it's not like, you know, everyone is going to college, but when we're looking at the price of college and we're seeing that the quote-unquote top HBCUs are kind of up there in price, it kind of makes sense as far as, you know, how much student loan debt people are having and why they may have it. I think this next tab is now we're going to wrap up. And this one is going to show me... There we go. Occupations, I think. So now we're going to get in. Okay, we got into you got student loan debt. How do you get it right? But then, like, what degrees are people getting? Slash the right job field they're going into. Now, if I scroll down, this is associates. 
associates. We're talking about four-year degrees, bachelor's, boom. So 25 to 25, 25 to 29-year-olds, my I nine more months in this bracket, with a bachelor's degree or higher. So for males, oh, this is on year, okay. Racial demographics. Whites were 55% more likely than their black counterparts to have bachelor's degrees or higher. In 2000, that gap was closer to 89%. My goodness. Between whites and Latino, Hispanics, and the age group. But doesn't it make sense if you're saying, hey, look, black people, you're so far behind from a college degree standpoint. Just go and get a college degree, but you got to take out this to do it. Like, Oh, my goodness. U.S. adults, 25%. They didn't start tracking this data until 2019 for Asia. Okay. All right, now we get the occupations. Uh, 2% unemployed. Okay, this is everybody. Oh, these are my occupations. Status. All right, now we get the masters. Let's get the masters by race. Right, so U.S. So people with the master's degree, right? White people have the most master's degree, but black people still got the most debt. And the scholarships and things like that are, you know, quote unquote, harder to get, right? Not, they're not as many as far as uh, for postgraduate degrees. Occupations, 1% employed for master's, my goodness. Mm. And most of them are professional and related. Okay, it's married, married. All right, boom, that's it for that. Now we're going to get into, what is this? Number of college, okay, this is a 2023 study. All right, number of college, college, there we go. This is what I wanted to see. In the age of distant education, e-learning, gamified educational apps like Duolingo, shout out to Duolingo, I'd be on that every day. Code Academy, Go, Con Academy, and the emergence of asynchronous classes, especially in the middle of the panorama. The formal education sector has been concerned if students would still want to return to their classrooms. Yeah, go to YouTube University. All right, let's go with stats. What are we looking at? General statistics on college graduates. One in four high school graduates who has enrolled as a college freshman this year will graduate after four years. 25% chance of the most recent uh, college enrollees graduate in four years, which means 75% of them I guess either aren't going to graduate or going to be that tuition we look at when we multiply by four years, they're going to have to multiply by five, six, right? LeBron, not one, not two, not five. A higher percentage of college students who are pursuing a bachelor's degree four years will graduate 60% than the general population of college students, okay? 18% of bachelor graduates finished their studies in the four years. Shout out to me. Did the four years. Got to do four years. I'd take winter and summer classes to do that. Only 31% of associates, right? Okay, graduate. Okay, up 15%. Graduation is up 15% from 2010. Here we go. Number of college graduates by major. The majority of college graduates, 18.3% hold STEM. Wait, what? Okay, y'all. As we wrap up. The majority of college graduates hold STEM degrees, science, technology, engineering, and math. But it's well known that that's not the case for black people. This is insanity. 
the more the more you know. When they talk about you put it in a book, whole time. This I don't know what's worse. This is the data about people who don't have kids but got the most student loan debt. If out of all the college degrees, almost 20 percent, so the most hold a STEM degree. But yet when we look at black people, we're not getting STEM degrees. What it? What are y'all doing? Because it's not me because I got the, I got the STEM degree. I am right there. And the, I guess I got a I got an engineer I got a technology degree, I guess, technically. I got a computer science degree, though. And if I was a software engineer, I'm a developer, but, you know, but and I take math. But anyways, though, this is followed by business and healthcare degree holders. OK, the breakdown of the number of college graduates in the U.S. as follows: STEM. Nine percent graduates earn associates, two percent STEM, bachelor's, 23 percent, master's and nine percent earn doctor professional. Business degrees. OK, this is breaking them down. Liberal arts. All right, here we go. Here's the race breakdown. Number of college graduates by race. White or Caucasian students in bachelor programs have a five-year graduation rate of 62.2%. Okay. The same for white people, right? With theirs are 56, 62, 55, 60% for associates, bachelors, masters, and doc bachelors, bachelors, masters or doctorate. And then black or African American students. Okay, same thing. So we have a 40%. Five-year graduation rates, 40%. 1% of college graduates are black. Or, what? Hold on. I'm like, I'm not tired, but I'm like, am I reading this right? It says 1% of college graduates are black or African American. That's that's got that's got to be. What? It's the same website. Okay, it's the same website. I need another I need a rather reference. See, this is saying the percentage of black people hold degrees, but how many of them? Wow. I guess that makes sense. We're only 15% of the population, so I guess I shouldn't be that shy. But one if we're 1% of college graduates, then why do we have so much student loan debt? 3% are a, a black. So out of the 1% of total graduates, but 3% of black African-Americans, 13 Okay, so 3% of black Americans earn 13% of associate degrees, 2% of black Americans earn 10% of bachelors, 5% earn 11 of masters, and 1% earn 7.5% of doctorates. Sixty percent, okay, white people are college graduates, 13%. I I'm so I'm just dumbfounded by this. I mean if we only want if we're only one percent of college graduates, and what what's all the talk about how much black the black women are graduating college? It's still only one percent. We pick and choose what one percent we care about. Non-resident, okay, multiracial, graduates by ethnicity. 
This is hard. It's hard to read. That this is this is just getting it's getting worse. It's getting really worse. Now we'll call graduates by gender. And 1900, 80.9, 1900, 80.9%, 35 years after slavery ended. Graduates earned bachelor's degrees were male. Okay, obviously the rest was women. Starting 2015, there have been more female bachelor's degree holders than male. Private nonprofits, 70% of women get degrees. Look at that. In private nonprofits, 70% of women get a degree. In private for-profit, 25% of women get a degree. And public, 64%. Private. I'm not sure which colleges are... Drexel is. I'm trying to see private for profit. Uh, what is it? Um, okay, cool, whatever. And then men, obviously, private nonprofit institutions. Six women. men. Oh, this is get to graduate. My bad. This is get to graduate. Okay, these numbers are roughly the same. But obviously, we need the whole number to figure out the total number of people that graduate. Okay, who cares about age? Who cares about state? I think that's it. Military college dropouts. Why are they dropping out? Okay, race is almost on here. I'm almost here, y'all, I think. What are college degrees for? I know that's it. All right, boom. And now the last thing we're going to do is look at the data more based straight up just African-Americans. And who is, crap, who was that article by? This article was by Med Butrika, PhD. I think I said that right. Okay, Melanie Hansen. All right, bad boom. Now we got the Georgetown one. African Americans, college majors, and earnings. So we can look at the majors people are choosing and then how much they're earning. So we slowly but surely walk to this point where we're saying, okay, cool, we understand the current student loan situation. You are, I'm going to get the forgiveness, et cetera, et cetera. But what about the decision making? to get here because now we get to see out of all the people complaining about the student loan debt well what majors you chose slash job field you're in and how much you earn we also looked at obviously the average numbers for each state as far as how much college costs then we looked at some of the prominent or more public schools for uh, colleges and states with a lot of black people and we also looked at hbcus where there are a lot of black people from a whole number and a percentage standpoint and we see that the quote unquote top HBCUs, not all of them, right? AT&T wasn't that high, things like that. But we see the Spelman, the Morehouse, the Clark, the Howard, right? The Tuskegee, those are the top five, not in order, but those, those are the top ones. So if the top HBCUs cost the most amount of money, that would make sense, even though black people were 1% of the degrees, which this showed, the previous link showed, we have to start thinking about, well, if we're getting the least amount of degrees, we are taking out the most amount of debt. But it's like, how if we're only 1% of the people that are graduating, do we have the most amount of debt? Like that, that is such a, a glaring number and issue. And you can only, and by say have the most amount of debt, not just graduate, but then you look at still having the most amount of student loan debt. And again, 
Shout out to Spellman. Shout out to Howard. Shout out to Clark. Shout out to Tuskegee. But these, and Spellman in particular, being uh, female only, if the female only HBCU costs the most out of all the HBCUs, that's sort of a trend or just a quick marker like they're going to run you off for the bag. And by the way, Spellman's not worth 40000 None of None of these schools are worth that much. But shout out to everybody going to Spellman. But at some point in time, right, we got to throw our hands up. Because then, too, right, people getting the, the not just the bachelor's, that's how much it costs for a bachelor. You get your master's and or doctorate. If it's 40000 you with the Spellman, you're coming out with a buck sixty k from your four-year degree. And by the way, it's taking you six years to get it. So that means you're coming out really with two hundred forty k that's from your bachelor's. And if you get your master's and do- Okay, let me see if I can figure out who did this article real quick. Again, Georgetown Center of Education. I told you, I said, I had to come back here again. And we're going to look at the full report. But key findings, right? Architecture and engineering is the major group with the highest median earnings. So 66000 So STEM. Oh, my goodness. So even the black people in STEM make the most amount of money. What are the chances? Engineering, by the way, what did Tim Cook have a degree in? In industrial, okay. The highest paid, highest paying detail major from African Americans is pharmacy, right? Pharmaceuticals, right? What well, chances? Eighty four k. Detail, I guess that's saying like breaking it down to an explicit one. Not a shock that people in the pharmaceuticals make the most. African Americans represent. We were seven percent of STEM majors. Twenty percent of African Americans majored in human services and community. What the what the hell? Okay, so I'm a these these two key data points, right? The previous article. What did we see? In the previous article, we see that what. Almost 20% of all college graduates hold a STEM degree. But then when we come here, only 7% of black people. So we're almost a third of as far as what the average is. But what we do damn near match up with, right? 20% hold STEM for everybody, but our 20% majored in human. I don't what is what is a degree in community organization? What does that mean? You freedom fighter? Is this a uh, civil rights? Is this, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, did he have a degree in community organization? If Dr. Martin Luther King did not have a degree in community organization, you don't need to get one. Let me look and see what degrees Martin Luther King had. Now, nah, because this is getting out of pocket. This, this, this is just getting worse and worse. This is three plus hours, and this is just... Okay, look, he has a degree in the religious. He has a degree in Bachelor of Divinity. Let's just so I can see Bachelor of Divinity. Yeah, theology. Okay, that that's not community organization. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. But okay, but as you can see, it's also saying right. Twenty percent of Black people have a degree in the second lowest median earnings at thirty nine thousand. That makes sense. And then I think that's on here. Let me see if this is on here. This isn't on here. All right. So now what we're going to do is interactive tool, right? We're going to look at 
Black earnings by college major explore the data on black earnings by major in detail field study. So this is going to be black people and then white people, black people in the black circle, white people. And in almost all situations, black people on the left. As you can see for the education, black people and white people make the same amount because teachers roughly get paid the same. But it makes sense where even something like architect and engineering, where there's a $22,000 delta, at least you can make in 68K. Again, the STEM degrees, right? Look at the arts down here. What is biology and life and sciences, right? Businesses, right? Health, I guess that's healthcare, right? So we can see there's a disparity as far as this data on the earnings between black and white, but what there isn't a disparity on in the sense of, you know, they're both what the they're both the same as far as the lower earning income one. So it's not like a white person choosing to get a degree in education is making more money than a black person who's getting a degree in engineering. Okay, then that, that would be an issue if it was the case. All right, look, 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 psychology and social work. 43 to 50, even I say, even the white people be 50k. You know, if you got to get a social work degree, you got to get a master's. You got to get a master's. You can't do that without, without a, a master's degree, and sometimes a doctorate. My goodness. And now we got the detailed field and studies. And by the way, this, this is the, I mean, there's a jump off to the full article. That's a PDF. It's going to be quick to go through, but we'll look at the detailed field of studies, right? Architect and general, look at the engineering, look at the engineering, 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 technology. Look at, look at, see, look at all this money. If you do engineering, at least you're going to come out making a minimum of 50 K. Chemical engineering, get that 70 bag, get that 77. Okay. Look at this. But then here we go. Now we get the fine arts, drama and theater. I, I tweeted something today from an interview I saw. This guy said, don't get a four-year degree in drama and five years later be a dramatic McDonald's employee. That's That might be the hardest thing I hear all year. I was like, that's kind of right. But look at the drama, theater, music. Like, Look at all the degrees that don't net you a lot of money. And what you can't do is, again, like I said, you see even what the white people earn. You can see what the white people earn, but it's like, you're not going to make a lot of money in fine arts and drama. You just have to look at it. Right now we're getting more tech, right? Management information systems, statistics. Okay, cool. Right, mathematics. General education, again, 45, 46. Like, there's no money. Elementary education that I talked about, 44, 45. Early childhood education, even lower, right? 38, 41. Like, at some point in time, it's like you have to recognize the degree field you're choosing if it has a low income for everybody, then you're going to have a low income situation. And then if the amount of money you have to spend slash time you have to spend to get the education is a lot, you got to really weigh those pros and cons. It's usually more cons. There's a lot of degrees here. Okay, cool. But you, you, you can see that, okay, again, what I say, STEM degrees, doctor or lawyer or something in the financial sector, right? Economics be in that sector, right? But economics a bag, Right? Physics, shout to physics. All right, public administration, pre-law. That's pre-law though. Transportation. All right, then we see all these arts, all this non, <laughs> all this non-stuff hovering the 40 to 50k range. Look at this treatment and therapy, miscellaneous health medical professions, area, ethnic and civilization studies, French, German, and come on, y'all. What is this? Shout out to pharmaceuticals. And that's probably sales too, to help you get that bag. A lot, all the money's in sales. 
And then when we get back to the STEM section, we see in STEM, you're going to bring in that 50K, but closer to that 50, 60 range, even if it's 10, 20K delta between white people, you're going to be making significantly more because we're seeing that even though the income, we're talking about the wealth gap, but there's also a degree wealth gap where like certain degrees make you more money. And if black people are choosing to be a third of what the average is, so instead of around 18% of black people have a degree in STEM, only 7%, and then 20%, so a fifth of us are in the second lowest range. A fifth of black people with degrees is making 40K or less per this on median. All right, and the last thing we're going to do is we're going to look at the actual PDF. It's from 2016, by the way. Let me see who did this. Anthony P. Carnival, Megan L. Fossils, Andrea Porter, and Jennifer Landis Santos. Health, STEM, liberal arts. At, le at least this black, she's coming out of STEM. Thank God. Thank God. Shout out to my black women in STEM. Remember, I went to HBCU and I got a degree in STEM, so you know. I know them peoples. African Americans concentrated in lower paying majors. Access to college for African Americans is increased, but African Americans are highly concentrated in lower paying majors. Why don't we talk about that? If we're in lower paying majors, take out the most debt, it makes sense while we're struggling to pay it off. The college major, which has critical economic consequences throughout life, reflects personal choices, but also reflects the fact that African American students are concentrated in open access four year institutions that limited choices of majors offered. What the hell does that mean? African-American students are concentrated in open access four-year institutions that limited choices of majors offer. Bowie got a computer science degree. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. I don't, I don't know every degree that everybody offers. But um, doesn't A&T stand for ag agriculture and technology? Whatever. Um, African-Americans represent, I know, I know people got STEM degrees from Howard. Now, Spellman, let me see what, uh, here we go, Spellman, right, degrees, bachelor, or, but see, got bachelor of science. So, I mean, they, they got some option there, but okay, to finish up the, let me see, oh, crap, y'all can't see this, Jesus. There we go. I saw I was reading right here this first section. African-Americans represent 12% of the U.S. population, but are 10, we're 12% now, but are underrepresented. This is 2016. And the number of degree holders write STEM, we talked about with the fastest growing, highest paying occupation, STEM, health, and business. So we're underrepresented in the fastest growing and highest paying and overrepresented in the lowest paying. There you go. We account for only 8%. And then obviously this number is going to get, is going to magnify for black women because they have a majority of degrees. You guys, if I didn't say that, make that correlation. So when we're talking about general African-American numbers, since black women have more of the degrees and women are less likely to go in the STEM field, this is, this number is going to be amplified for black women, right? So they're going to be more in the lower concentrated areas and they're going to be more in the lower income earning fields. And then they have the most student loan debt. So at least black men, even though they take out the second most, they have the fact they're more likely to pay it off and they're more likely to be in higher earning income areas. 
So 8% of general engineering majors, 7% of mathematics, 5% of computer engineering. Similarly underrepresented in business, 7% finance. So I was talking about you know, CPA, things like that. Market, don't, don't do the marketing. And health majors, they account for 10%, but are clustered in the lowest earning detailed major C. And this is where this is where you need you need the data. So yes, healthcare can get you a bag, but you have to, you know, you can choose a computer degree where you're not going to make a lot of money. So this is saying that black people are choosing, yes, the health field, shout out to the health field, but we're clustered in the lowest earning part or detailed major of that. 21% are in health and med medical administrative services compared to only 6% in the higher earning detailed major of pharmacy, pharmaceutical sciences and administration. So even when we're choosing the overall fields, when we go to the detailed major, we're not in the ones when we're in the overall fields as far as high earning income, when we actually look at the detailed or specific degree, we're still in a learning and low earning income degree field. So it doesn't really matter. Oh my goodness. Y'all don't learn how to code. Shout out to chat GPT. Average Americans are also highly represented in majors associated with serving the community. What can... We're not going to talk about the state of the black community, but don't tell me you're out here with degrees, which tend to be low earning human services and community organization, 20% for community organization and 19% social work. Don't. 40% of y'all. Got something in human service and community organization or social work. Is teaching part of human services? I hope it is for the sake of this. One might say the human services and community organization social work is not going to get corrected until the financial situation changes slash accountability and decision making. Shout out to your student loan choices. Oh, my Lord. Since 2009, there has not been significant change in the proportion of African-Americans across majors. That's a, that's a, that's a long time. So we're going on 14 years now. One of the most significant changes occur within the architect and engineering. Okay. Percent of African-Americans, African-Americans with industrial and manufacturing engineering or miscellaneous engineering technologies majors decreased by four percentage points and three percentage points, respectively. Also, the portion of African-Americans in majors where they were already highly concentrated saw a slight increase. So it got it got worse. It got worse on both ends. Social work and health and medical administrative services both increased by three percentage points. Why majors and earnings matters? Earnings vary greatly among various college majors. African-Americans who earned a bachelor's degree in STEM-related major and a STEM related major such as architecture or engineering can earn as much as 50% more than African-Americans earn a bachelor's degree in art or psychology and social work. Bump the, bump the bachelor's in psychology and social work. Compare the percentage increase. If I got a bachelor's in STEM and you got a master's or doctor in psychology, social workers don't make more than someone who has, a, if you have a master's in social work, you do not make more than someone with a bachelor's degree in computer science if you're all in your respective job fields. I mean, it's a state job. But now it's saying social workers make 110K. But look at this, 36, 58K. All right, then we're going to look at software developer. Engineer, I mean, whichever one. Yeah. 
I'm playing myself. You see that buck? That buck fifty. Where's the buck fifty on NDE for the for that? Where's that at? Okay, now I'm just writing. But hey, look, you're telling you, I don't know anybody who's in social work to get a buck twenty-eight. Let me let me be clear on that. Let me be clear on that. All right, but um, as we finish up, that I keep saying finish up. All right, all right, boom. Now showing us more figures. Yeah, more charts. Looks all pretty. We're seeing right majors with the highest median earnings at American. So STEM degrees, right? And healthcare, I would guess it's STEM, right? I mean, if you're in healthcare, you probably got to take some biology stuff, right? Science. I mean, the business. Then we see majors with the lowest, right? Industrial arts, arts, psychology, arts. Yet African Americans account for 12% of all bachelor degree holders who majored in psychology and social work, and only 5% of architecture and engineering majors. What's this say? Bachelor's degree holders refer to okay, this is this is adults 21 to 59. My goodness. This, so this is straight up bachelor's degree. This is not, not having a graduate degree. Concentrations of African American holders, Amer African American bachelor's degree holders among major groupings, law and public policy, psychology and social work, health, business, social sciences, computer, statistics, and mathematics. We see this. So see that breakdown. Lowest representation in nation's growing fastest growing fields. This is just like right here in our face. And an analyst of, of the 137 detailed majors, African-Americans who majored in pharmacy, pharmaceutical sciences, and administration have the highest median earnings at 84,000. Industrial manufacturing, chemical, electrical, mechanical, computer, and civil engineering graduates follow with median earnings ranging from 68 to 76. So STEM. National top 10 median earnings for African-Americans, bachelor's degrees ranked by highest lowest. Shout out to computer science being at the bottom. Computer science, computer engineering, like uh, the same degree. As far as the job, I mean, uh, whatever. Okay. National bottom 10, right? So now we're at the bottom 10, median earnings African Americans. So you see, we have a higher concentration at the lower earning ones. And we have a lower concentration at the higher earning ones. This is the answer right here. Shout out to this Georgetown study. What is, what is this place called? Center of Education. Look at this. Shout out to teaching the kids, right? But it's, it's 38. And I know your degree costs more than 38. Because, I mean, put it like this. We see we're saying the average is roughly 10K, so you need at least 40. I mean, you got to get above. None, none of these are options. These are, the only, these are the only options. These degrees are the only options. We're saying college is 10K a year. You had to pick one of these options. You can't, you can't pick any of these because you're not going to come out on top from just a straight up what you're going to make from a median earning standpoint. That has to be said. Okay, African-Americans made it early China. Yep. Most of the majors on the list of lowest median earnings tend to be part of intellectual and caring professions. That is highly educated workers whose earnings tend not to reflect their years of education. 
intellectual and caring professions. That's what they call they call them those. If you're a social worker, you're intellectual and caring. How much do you care about taking your family and you got all this debt and to make no damn money? African Americans are most represented in health and medical administrative services, where they account for 21% of terminal black degrees. Human services and community organization has the second highest percentage and the second lowest. In short, African Americans tend to be rep better represented in majors with the lowest earn. <laughs> this is borderline disrespectful. It just says, in short, African Americans tend to be represented in majors with the lowest earnings. The 10 detailed majors with the highest percentage of African Americans consist entirely of majors associated with earnings lower than $65,000. That is what it is. This is, this is the table right here, table four. So the highest percentage of African Americans as far as degrees, only public administration, computer and information. So at least you guys, look, we got some, right? But it's like, I wouldn't get a degree in computer and information systems though, comp side. Conclusion is that African Americans who choose majors in well-paying growing fields are likely to be better positioned to get higher paying jobs. This is especially important to a demographic group that historically has been deprived of opportunities and had fewer economic assets and resources, making them especially vulnerable to the family stress created by economic ups and downs. Bump your family if you mm. fewer African Americans and higher paying jobs can translate to fewer positive role models, okay, of how to be financially successful for younger generations and fewer opportunities to contribute economically to their family and community. Careful career planning is especially crucial for African-American students to help them avoid debt and underemployment later in life. Careful career planning. Part of that career planning is choosing your job field. And this just looks like majors fall into two categories. Group majors are the families of specific majors. Detail majors reflect the specialization of study. Architecture and engineering. Percent of African Americans current 2009. Wow, it's like. So in the architecture and engineering, we have less representation. Shout out to building the Black Wakanda. Okay, we got more in business. Computers. Education, all these numbers. Okay, that's like it. This is sort of a summary of everything we saw above. And then there's this chart. Maybe spread out just a little bit. Oh, y'all still can't see that crap. I'm trying to make it where y'all can see it and I can scroll over it. African Americans, college majors, and earnings. Again, African Americans tend to be overrepresented. This is another chart that you can more explicitly see again. Oop. It's probably, I waited all almost four hours to do that. But this is just an actual infographic of the table above. Again, choose, choose these are the options. These degrees are the options. Computer science, general engineering, nursing, civil engineering, computer engineering, mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, chemical engineering, industrial and manufacturing engineering. By the way, industrial engineering is what Tim Cook got for his bachelor's. Then pharmacy and pharmaceutical science and administration. You should get a degree in one of these fields. This is all STEM. <laughs> what not to get a degree in? 
by not to, I mean, from an income standpoint, early education, early childhood education, human services and community. What is, I got to look that up. Human services and community organization, area ethnic and civilization studies, family and consumer sciences, drama and theater arts, miscellaneous industrial, what are miscellaneous industrial arts and consumers? What's miscellaneous? This is a degree in left-handed poetry that they'd be talking about. Social work, physical fitness, parks, recreation, and leisure, theology and religious vocations, philosophy and religious studies. And they got some acknowledgments. Let me look and see what the hell people in community organization organizer, community organizer salary. Saying they make 52K in Maryland. That's not that much, though. The community organizer degree. Academic qualifications typically hold a bachelor's or, or master's in social justice work. There we go, social work, sociology, and other related fields. Oh my goodness. But all right, y'all. Stop sharing the screen. We've come to the end. That's it. There goes your student loan information for all of the internet. I want to be very clear. Student loan forgiveness either is or isn't going to happen. It's not, you know, it's up to the Supreme Court now. If it does happen, you get 10K. If you got a Pell, up to 10K, if you got a Pell Grant, you get up to 20K. As far as how much does college cost, we've seen that these numbers for straight up tuition for most public universities is going to be anywhere in that roughly ten dollars to $15,000 range, which is going to be anywhere from five dollars to $7,500 a semester. That's not that much money. So from a straight up, you know, how much does college cost standpoint from a tuition standpoint, it's still not that high. And relative to if you choose a STEM degree, even for black people, STEM degree, you're going to come out with 60K. So if it's 10,000, even if it's $15,000, right at 60K for the median average. Okay. But where do we see those college numbers drop up as far as price slash student loan debt, room and board, out of state tuition and private school. So if you just straight up go in state and just pay for tuition flat out, don't stay on campus, no room and board. You're going to make it out and choose the proper degree field, STEM, lawyer, doctor, something in the finance as far as CPA account, things like that, CPA account, but CFP, something like that, economist, whatever. Choose something that involves math. <laughs> and if it's not, let it be a doctor or a lawyer. That's what that's what STEM, I mean, you know, science, technology, engineering, and math, but something math-based, so like finances is going to be math-based. Then obviously sales for the pharmaceutical, I assume they had sales numbers in there. Then we looked and saw who was most impacted by student loan debt. And it was black people, people of color slash women. And then obviously, you know, black women, black uh, women, uh, excuse me, black women and women of color. Then we looked at it and say, well, if black people slash black women are impacted the most by student loan debt, where do black people mainly go to school? HBCUs, how much is it costing to go to HBCUs? And then we're going to look at and say, hey, what top HBCUs are? You know, what are the top HBCUs and how much does it cost to go there? We saw those numbers. Spellman, all girl, cost the most amount out of any HBCUs and it's a private school. Then we looked and saw, okay, we understand the disparities as these, you know, these articles were showing as far as the racial impact, you know, by each, each race, black, white, Hispanic, Asian. And seeing black people were impacted the most by all these different articles. 
as far as taking out the most debt, percentage rate, monthly payments, all these different type of things. But then we looked at the degree fields that black people are choosing. So regardless of how much student loan debt you got, how much money can your degree make you? And even with that, black people are choosing the lower degree earning fields. We have a higher concentration there. And by definition, then a lower concentration, in the higher earning fields. So what do you need to do? Never go out of state or private unless you are not taking out debt. If you're looking at taking out debt, not recommended, but if you're going to take out debt, never do private or out of state. Second, go in, go in state, right? Look at the option where you do a two-year degree at a community college for your gen eds. And maybe you might be able to get some of your, your general, your gen eds before your particular degree. And make sure obviously those transfer over to a four-year, but it'll, you know, it'll be a two years out of four years. So you're cutting the price in half for that four-year. And it's probably going to be close to, you know, probably a third because you obviously got to pay for community college. Okay. Once you're able to look and see this is where I want to go, this is the degree I want to get, right? STEM, lawyer, doctor, right? In a high earning degree field, do what you got to do to pay cash for it. It's okay to take five, six years to graduate with a four-year degree if you're going to pay for it cash because essentially the time you're going to use to pay off the debt, right? Say you graduate in four years, you're going to quote unquote do nothing for those two years anyway while you're paying off the debt. Shout out to your two years of job experience, but you know, these are the things you have to weigh. So yes, by, by all these articles, black people have the most student loan debt, black women impacted the most. But then when we looked at the job fields that black people are choosing, we see that they're choosing ones that have lower income. And then when we looked at, well, are there HBCUs and the places with the most amount of black people that are affordable? Question is yes. Are there PWIs that's affordable? Question is yes. Let's look at, before we go, being that Spellman, Clark, and Spellman, Clark, and Morehouse okay, are in Georgia. How much does University of Georgia cost? How much do y'all think that costs? Y'all gonna be mad when we see how much the University of Georgia costs. Back at it. But see, you had the housing, right? 68, but that's gonna be in around, around 12,000, right? Fees, books. That's another cost to go to Georgia. And you, are you telling me This is for the fall and spring. <laughs> you telling me Georgia is ha Georgia's half as good as Spelman, Morehouse, or Clark? Or, you know, these are conversations. And even Florida, I think Florida, Florida University is one of the top universities. Like overall, we do athletics and everything, everything included. And obviously, there are a lot of black people in Florida. Four year degree at Florida, four years. Look at this. Look at this for Florida. This is the University of Florida. And so even, and I mentioned the state schools, because most state schools, if not all of them, but most of them are D1. Florida is a great school. If you live in Florida and you're black, why would you even go out of state or private? Just try to go to Florida or Miami. How much Miami? Miami might be a... And it might cost a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised. 
they look 16-7. Right, Florida's a big state, but there are plenty of schools in Florida where the price is great for you. And obviously, if you're going out of state, right now, always the case, but, you know, out of state is essentially going to be further away, right? Like if you live in California and you choose to go to Spelman, there are plenty of colleges on the way to Spelman that you could have went to at a lower price. So we really need to talk about people's decision-making process when it comes to going to college. And then obviously what degrees, like the whole decision-making process, then what degrees they're choosing. Cause obviously the money is there, but dang, I forgot to say hit that like button, share it, subscribe the whole time. If you watched all of this, which you are brave SOB if you did, but you should have, this is more the long play on this one. Hit that like button, share and subscribe, leave your comments, any questions, concerns. Again, I'm silent underscore Corey, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. My guy is Jordan at Stop Stalling J. Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And his business page is FinallyFit06 on Instagram and Facebook. And then his business website is FinallyFit.live. All right. Student loan information is here, y'all. Please, when you're choosing to go to college or you know people who are choosing to go to college, you really have them sit down and do the research as far as where they want to go, what's beneficial. They understand how to add up this these numbers. Make it clear to them how much money is a lot of money and what's not a lot of money. That's one of the issues. People don't want to talk about money growing up. And then y'all get up here and get grown. And it's like, that's not that much money. Then, then you get upset. Nobody told you how much money was a lot of money until you started making money and then you had all this debt. So there's got to be more of an open conversation, at least in the black community, as far as what degrees people should go into. Because we see what degrees people are picking per, per that Georgetown article. And it's not the higher earning income ones. All right. All right, y'all again. What I do? I'm going to say four hours. This is crazy. This is crazy. Shout out to my endurance. But all right, y'all. Shout out to Finally Fit. Get you, get you right. It's going to get you right. Get your endurance right. But all right, y'all. Again, Wealth Wednesday will be, what's today? Monday. All right, so you got Wealth Wednesday. I got a handful of articles I can pick from for Wealth Wednesday. So I can't wait to get those out. But again, if you guys need anything, always reach out to myself or Jordan. Again, I said check out finallyfit.live for fitness information. And then me personally, my financial coaching is $50 a month for one one-hour session or $100 for one one-hour session a week. All right, help help you pay off your student loans. That's what I'm helping you do. But that's it, y'all. Remember to save more and say less. Keep making better your best. And I will catch y'all in the next one.